All right, the clap, we're in, we're early, we're straight onto things, and I just want everyone to make so- sure that they shine Monesi. Uh, <laughs> I can't stop singing about Shan and Monesi, uh, Shan, Monesi, Shan. There's just so much. It's going through my head. It's a jingle. It's always a, any song that I hear, I, it's an adaptation. When are you going to put it to paper? It needs to be done. I think I need Harry's musical genius here, another big fan of the Shan Monesi fan club. And I just think that like it would be, it, we, could, we could probably get it in the game. It would be a blockbuster hit. People would be lining up for hours to, to well, I, I guess get their CDs. Tickets, yeah. We're going to put it on CDs, um, I would say. We want to put it on. Or I, don't, I think nobody really has cassette players. Any, actually, who the fuck has a CD player? Do any of you boys have a CD player? Uh, I have one collecting dust. I don't have one in active use. <laughs> I like how you said that. <laughs> I can just imagine you walking but around you with a disc, in a pinch. man. Or yeah. something like, yeah, I'm like, you know, cranking Yo, this up. Like, and, people, and the, I can't even imagine wired headphones anymore, like earphones, you know? Like, that was such a faffle. They would always, they would always Dude, I see them all the pocket. time, though. Apparently, Yanko, the Zoomers, like the fucking, the kids, I don't know if this is it's true, right? Back. It's, like I'm a hearing new, it's this. a new hipster, isn't it? The, the, the exactly. Yeah. But I'm hearing that from another, like, another, what, am, what are we? We're millennials. We, we're millennials. We're millennials. We're millennials. Jason is a boomer. But. Well, I'm. A, <laughs> yeah, I, mentally I'm a boomer. No, but I think I. Well, I don't know. I don't. We're like we're like late into the millennials. Me and Chad. I don't know if Yanko missed the cutoff or not, but I assume you're millennial. No, you must be a millennial. Yeah, I'm like wait, 92. Am I a millennial? It's like Gen what Gen Y then Gen early Z. 1980s to the late 1990s. Okay, born See, between 81 and 96. So there's a definitive. Yeah, so you're a millennial. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah, so we're from the nice. same bracket. I don't yeah. know. <clears throat> I'm from a generation where now that you're talking about like this or whatever, like the whole boy band sort of a culture, you know? Backstreet, <laughs> back, all right. Yeah. It's like, what was really appealing about that to guys? Like, well, it wasn't, it was for girls. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you think like these sexy I mean, dudes, like why slick back hair, and they're all don't smooth, and they're doing. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with liking second, the music. Second thing is, yeah. So, but if you wanted to be in a boy band, would that be because you wanted attention from girls? You want to be well, liked maybe, by girls? But, well, it depends, right? So, the, like, this is everybody wanted to be famous. Well, everybody still wants to be famous, apparently. But like back then, that was like with like all the TV and putting these projects together, and like you, you have these they, you know, they just throw like people who are good looking and talented together and whack a name on it and that see was, if it sticks at the time. That was like the first instance. Uh, that was the first instance I know of of like manufactured fame, right? What the fuck, Google? I didn't talk to you. Wow, what the? Okay. You've been acting up lately, Google man. Jesus, they're really creeping on you right now. Oh dear. Give it a good yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get so many boy band advertisements in your in your social media now. Thirty nine degrees outside, and Google's playing up. So I, I apologize. I want to apologize to everybody for that flare up. Um, I will be punishing the thing that listens to me at all times later uh, by making it listen. To what is what K-pop is Google's what is Google's name? What's Google's name? Like, there's Alexa with Amazon. I just is it just don't make me do it because we'll activate everybody's devices. Okay, okay. Google. Yeah, 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 but there's not like actually a name to the AI. Alexa. 
No, that's, that's Amazon. That's Amazon. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, I'm going through them all. Siri? Siri is... If we're going to activate one person, so we might as well try and activate everybody's, right? <laughs> I think Henry said that there was one like on the Samsung, like Bilby or something. I don't, I've, I've, I don't know. I've never used sure. a Samsung cellular telephone device. But, but uh, Google obviously you know, has no, de- no desire to like personify their, their AI to make everyone feel more comfortable. Well, Google is essentially a god, right? Like the, the entity itself. It just it's it's a behemoth. It just kind of runs the internet. So I'm happy just like treating that entity like it it owns everything. I guess it does. Why are we going down this uh, dark path? I, think, I was I had good energy. I mean, I if, 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 if if Microsoft like um, you know they could they could do an easy one with AI or whatever, where because it's Bing and then it's just sarcastic all the time, like the character from Friends. Ah, Chandler Bing. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Could have a bit of a shtick to it. Who's your yeah, favorite yeah, yeah. friend's character? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I consider myself a bit of a, a, a Rachel. You know, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I friends, I, I, I can't say I consume too much. I've consumed enough friends, but I don't know if I have enough to go. Yeah, <laughs> like, d- this is definitively my be favorite so funny character. If it was taken out of context. It's like uh, I've consumed enough friends. <laughs> Yeah, as as the cannibal I am here, uh, you know. But uh, yeah, let's get in favorite Disney movies, colors, uh, Zodi- zodiac signs, gentlemen. Today I went to the dentist, and I have a I have a triumphant story about today. So this is the last week before we head out to to Cologne and whatnot. And I'm like, okay, you know, I I should probably go get a checkup at the dentist. Like, you know, once every six months, <laughs> middle of the year seems like a good time. So of course I leave it until like the final week that we have after being you know here for for quite some time. And uh, so I sent an email over the weekend when they're not going to reply, of course. Uh, they reply first thing Monday morning. So big plus to them. This is a good dentist. This is, a, this is not promotion, but sure. uh, this is, you know, just a charity B thumbs up here. Uh, and then I, re- I replied and was like, yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, they were going to put me in 11.30 today. And I was like, that's great. Uh, yeah, I'd love that appointment. And then it was all good. And then they called me like a couple of hours later. And I never usually answer my phone, right? I was like, okay, well, this is weird. I just did this appointment. This is likely to be the, the dentist. It all kind of lined up. Answer the phone. They're like, hey, look, the, the cleaning that you wanted to do, because I wanted to check up in a cleaning. They're like, oh, we don't have any people here to do the, to the cleaning. Um, so the dentist can see you for the checkup, but you have to come back another day or another time for the cleaning. I was like, oh, fucking hell. I'm like, whatever. I wanted to get it done. So I was like, I booked that for Wednesday. So I was going to go to that at 11.30, then tomorrow at 2.30. And I went in today, get it, 2.30. Fuck! I'm so happy that I booked that dent. That I was gonna make that joke tomorrow, but now I, now I can't. Uh, that's sad. But the the high the highlight here was the dentist who was doing the checkup. She was happy enough because she felt bad for me having to come back again tomorrow to do the cleaning today, gentlemen. So it's a massive oh, win. She went above it's a beyond. huge victory. I don't have to go to the dentist tomorrow. I had the checkup. I had the clean, and I just want to say a massive thumbs up. She didn't have to do that. You know, she just she does the big stuff. She does the fillings. She does the dental surgery. She doesn't do the cleaning. That's but like for 10 me minutes, today, no? fifteen minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah, but 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 I'm. You, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't have I to do it. Happy. Do I, you yeah. tip the dentist for? Uh, oh for Jesus that Christ! Here we go again. I don't think so. Dentists Americans are paid quite well, so I I wouldn't <laughs> imagine that I would be tipping the dentist. Okay. Um, do you tip at the drive-in, Jason? The drive-in? What, what is this, like the 80s movies? If you were picking up McDonald's, no, 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 through like the takeout drive-in, like drive-through to pick oh, it no, up no, no, and, no, no, and no, go. No, no, no. 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 Well, you so will that... soon enough, I'm sure. <laughs> You're going to start tipping cops when they book you or something. 
The, yeah, it is the that tip culture is, has gone insane. In the I mean, US. you guys tip cops. You just call it something a little bit different, don't you? Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. differences. No, but I like this. This is like a sort of. I have a full questioner for Chad out of the blue. So Chad, oh. next things up. Like, how did you pick your dentist? Because you're so like in a foreign I, country, you know. Like, is it yeah. just you go through Google reviews, or how do you do it? Uh, so with the dentist, no. When I was first moving here, there was a bloke that worked for um, Eden Entertainment, uh, mm-hmm. like who did that Supernova event and stuff. And I remember I had him on WhatsApp, and I was talking to him. He's a very nice guy, and I asked him, you know, like, hey, do you have any recommendations for like a dentist? Is there any way that, that you'd go? And he recommended this place. So, and I, then I did, I did check it. Right, I looked it up on Google to see what it was like. It, was like, it had good ratings. It looked like a good spot, and I go there, um, and. So yeah, for the dentist, I had like someone give me a good review for a doctor or whatever. I don't know. I've never been to the doctors here in Malta. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Let's know. hope it stays that way. Yeah. Right. So I, there's certain things like a barber as well is really hard. Like a barber is a hard one. That's why I just like when I'm at home, like right now for these stints, I just don't get my hair cut, which is great because it's falling out. But like in the sense that you you just you just let the mop grow. I'm full mop mode right now. I got a nice haircut out of control. In, in Malta when we were there for pro league. Where where did you go? I think it was either Henry or Alex who told me it was actually some Albanians running it. So I was just, I booked under the name Jason and I didn't say a word while I was there. But it was like, <laughs> you remember that Viggy's restaurant where we went to? It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like within three minutes walk from that place. Like before okay. it, it's on that street. Okay. I, that might, yeah, that could be either Henry or an Alex. I, would, I go to one that's like a drive away. I, everyone kind of just takes their punt. And if you go in and you have a good one, and it's like, okay, you go back. Well, this I, like, you have a decent- I had to book. Um, they were pretty busy, but it was a really good haircut. Yeah, well, that's what you're looking for. It's, uh, this is the thing. It's the job you want to get done at the end of the day. Okay. It's, uh, Chad, we, okay, we continue good. with the question. Oh, yeah. So, sorry. Yeah, yeah. My bad. No, I've always wondered like, um, so now you're basically living in a vacation spot to some extent. Is it like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you annoyed now that there's like so many people like during holiday season? Is it like obnoxious or how is it like to live in no, that place? Actually? It, because people always say, I mean, people who are not at the sea, I mean, you wouldn't know you were in Perth before, I guess, but people are always like, oh, if only I could have a house on the sea or the ocean or whatever, you know, like if, if only I could live there, everything would be like so much nicer. Sure. Um, so I, I guess... I don't really notice it because I don't drive. So like I don't see or, or get interfered by the traffic like picking up or whatever. And in terms of like the touristy hotspots, I wouldn't say I'm down there at peak times. Like if I go out for a walk and a swim, it's normally I'm getting up at seven and I'm leaving the house by 7.30. So most people who are here on holiday and shit, they're not that up that early. So you go out that early, you, you, you bang on down, you get down to the water. It's a beautiful time. The sun's just come up. There's very rarely lots of people out. It's usually seldom you get like, I don't know, most of the spots I go to swim, maybe you get five or six other people in like a big area. Um, so in terms of being bothered by tourists here, no. Uh, and I would imagine that they still look at me as a tourist. The only place that probably doesn't on this whole entire fucking island is the coffee shop I go to every day <laughs> that uh, I've just been you know, going in and I just order the same thing every day and I'm, you know, I'm making a relationship with the gentleman behind the counter. We, we now, he now knows my order, right? No sure. questions now. And uh, soon we can move on to maybe learning maybe each other's names. Well, actually, no, before names, there's probably some other chit-chat, like where he's from. I imagine that's probably next. Uh, so I, I don't know if that answers your question, Yanko, but yeah. Yeah, it does. 
Thank you. <laughs> that concludes today's questionnaire. Okay, perfect. Chad. Absolutely. Jason, do you have anything for me here about Malta that I could help you with? Uh, no, I'm good. I think uh, I think I've gotten all my questions out in previous seasons. So I'm just uh, okay. Maybe maybe in the future, maybe something pops up. I I have a question. Yeah. Um, and it's not my question. It is a viewer question that uh, we got on our last episode that we did while uh, Yanko was away. We had Rush come in and help us out for sure for an early chunk of the show. Um, but the question came in from a, a bar tech and they were asking how our significant others deal with the amount of travel we need to do because of work and how did it look at the beginning of, of our relationships. Ooh. It's a very curious question. The travel, the travel is uh, or can be a deciding factor uh, uh, sure. that, that uh, you know, really determines how it's going to go. You want to take this one first, Jason, as being as how you have a wife and a kid? Yeah, Jason's life kind of worked out all right. Yeah, mine, I, I don't know how that happened, but it did. Um, yeah, my, my significant other, uh, when, we, when we started dating, I mean, she, she's from Counter-Strike space, right? She, like, won, she, won, she competed in one world championships back in the day, so she understood the, uh, the whole industry, and she was managing CLG Red at the time, so like, she kind of understood, so that travel thing problem never really super popped up for me, and um, she was out in California and I was in Michigan. So like, we weren't exactly like close by to begin with. So travel like never really mattered cause we were always apart. Um, it's harder, it's harder now just cause of the baby. Um, but I mean, I think at a certain point they just got to understand and accept that there's a certain amount of events and you got to work out a good, you know, a good flow. You can't be, I can't be disappearing for six, seven weeks at a time the way I used to be able to, uh, but, but yeah, we work through the travel and it's it's tough at times. And she's got a couple tough weeks coming up with Cologne and a few other events after that. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it just it just works out. It just we, we've made it happen. And now it's just kind of part of the part of the relationship. I think you find out there, right? Like you, obviously there needs to be a bit of a give and a take from either side in these scenarios here. But that becomes like our default and our norm. And then I think with that, like the, if if that's what you want to maintain, like if that's either equal priority or priority number one um then you know people can either yeah i don't want to say deal with it or but that's that's the well there's some kind of the boundaries of things there's some give and takes right like as the relationship kind of got bigger and more serious and and kept growing yeah you you i mean you have to make some sacrifices too and say okay instead of you know you know going out with the guys tonight maybe i wait an hour and i call home and and have a chat for an hour and never happened um, (laughs) <laughs> you know make sure you find times during the week to like call home and say hey and just check always in was and with check the guys out. of course yeah always was with the guys but you know i found i found that hour i found that hour in various in various ways it was um, just you take that from your sleep yeah exactly i just i just did it a little drunk at the end of the night before going to sleep at 2 a.m um but but yeah i mean there's there's just there's just give and takes when you've uh when you have to do something like that i think though what's interesting is I realized as well recently, like it's been a long time that we've been doing this. So you've actually got so accustomed to being away, right? That you don't really, it's just your life. You're not really thinking about, oh, if I could be at home this week, there's this thing that's happening or I'm missing like someone's birthday or some sort of a happening gathering, get together, whatever it is. It just kind of, you're used to it. But then when you, you know, start dating someone, it's like for them, it could be pretty new right and then the fact that you're used to it may come off as like you don't really give a shit <laughs> as yeah. much which is which isn't a good thing um 
but I think in general, actually, it I've had it like it was a problem in a couple of relationships where they really, you know, sort of couldn't go on because of it. But I think that's also when I was younger or like also, you know, my uh, girlfriends were also younger. So I think there's also a lack of understanding really for, you know, that's the job. And, you know, and they were just like craving attention so much where you can't really give uh, the same amount when you're not there, which, you know, comes off a little bit as immature too, which I guess it is. I've also found out that there was no way I could date someone who doesn't have like either a job or an occupation of some sorts, right? Like something to, to occupy them and their time because otherwise you're their main occupation and that's just not viable. Like, you know, we are at an event, we have a good time, but we are there for work. Like we, we spend hours on day, you know, working, watching games, talking about games, commentating, whatever it is. It's like, you know, I can't really be having to focus on someone else during the day and like entertain them while I'm at work. Like that's just not really happening but you know i'm lucky that nope. now you know my girlfriend is very understanding even though it's not easy for her like she would you know especially these stints where um it's five weeks of pro league and then usually there's an event like close either Katowice or cologne like so it's like five weeks and then just a week home and two more weeks somewhere else but you know uh Sometimes she can travel over. Um, sometimes I can steal a, a day or two maybe to go back home just for a little bit. So, you know, it's good. And I think also <laughs> living in Serbia, you know, this job offers you just like a pretty comfortable lifestyle. And I think in today's day and age, you know, that should most definitely not be underestimated. And it's a bit of a sacrifice in that department that you have to make, you know, and for the better for the greater good, as they say. Yeah, we've uh, we've we've touched so much on the on the negatives. It's not all negatives. That like, I mean, I've been we've been able to. I know, like, I brought Jane out for her birthday to, to Australia when we did Sydney the one year, and we rented that the, the beach house. Um, flew her out to Madrid for her birthday, like the next year when I was doing Blast, and uh, she was in Paris with me for the majors just earlier this year for her first Mother's Day. So, I mean, the the travel. Oh my god. <laughs> The travel, uh, <laughs> is that a good or a bad, is that a good or a bad squeal? I don't know. Jane's on baby duty. So th that, I have no idea. Okay. Um, so if it's Jane squealing, it's probably bad. If it's Jane squealing, it's probably bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, there are, there are some good sides to it where you get to kind of bring them along to cool places that you travel to. But I think more than anything, I remember the, the for, like first conversation that like we had to have, cause I mean, you get into some, some battles during this travel, right? Like in any relationship, you have some of those, those fights early on. Well, think, you know, yeah. you don't have to Jason, you can just say. I schedule Counter Strike first and everything else, but when you when you have a kid, mate, I understand. You, no, but I mean, you even a different. Even in like year you know, two, it was just kind of like, look, I have to travel a lot, so at a certain extent, like I need you to have. There, there needs to be like some kind of like in, you need to have your own stuff. Like I'm not around to always, you know. Oh yeah, to, yeah. As to what Yanko was saying, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, need to yeah. you need to be independent in your own in your own way, and, and we make this happen when I can. I'm in I'm in grind mode, and um, yeah, I mean, you make it work. You make it work. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is what it is. If I find when I'm home, like I have a lot of time, I can be very malleable, right? Like I can when when I'm not at an event. But when I'm at an event, like I, I operate because of um, being away from home, like with a out of sight, out of mind mentality. I I think because sure. I I I don't think often about how um, infrequently 
I get to see my family or I get supposed choose to see my family, right? Because that's also like a factor here. Like this is this is my choice to do this and be here and do and do this thing. So it's easier to just kind of shut off those thoughts, which is not healthy, I wouldn't imagine. It's probably better to to fulfill that in a in a different way. But um it's a good the way it, to just keep the blinders on. Yeah, no, I do. I do the same thing to a certain extent, and it's 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 rough. But like, I mean, it does. I have like the same kind of strategy where like when I'm when I'm at events, like I'm at events, and like the the nice thing about it is when I go home, it's not like a typical job where you know I have to work six seven hours a day and then and then kind of go home. When I'm home, I'm actually like home. You know, like you you yeah, have that like podcast. Yeah, you have that hard distinction. Stuff, so a bit yeah. more flexible. Yeah, yeah. That was a a bit of an you know uh, something that i didn't really think about when uh, i was when i started coaching too it's like it's a massive difference because when you get back from an event yeah, you're, you're still working right like yeah you're in the lab bro you have practice and then that can get after a while you know depending on how many tournaments you have in a row or whatever it can get pretty strenuous like you just need a couple of days off and that's what eventually like we did you know I, I did adjust our schedule where it's like we come back from a tournament if there's like two weeks until the next one it's like two days there's no like practice or anything for the players you know like i mean no practice <laughs> for me either but even if i'm like preparing some stuff at least i have like two days where i can you know just chill and sort of decompress and then you start again with the routine yeah. I think that's the thing. When you were playing, like when I was playing, you never had an off day, right? Like I, I, you would, you know, especially when you were living overseas as a player, like you definitely never had an off day because what were you going to do on your off day? Like yeah. when we were living in Vegas and people like Justin yeah. and Aaron weren't 21 yet, it's like, well, we definitely aren't doing fucking anything, boys. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but I, I think like the, the lifestyle, the lifestyle has so many pros. Like the parts of the world that we've gotten to see, and, and and this was when we had Alex on, and we were talking about Australia and all of that. Like we've done some really cool stuff before. I remember, like Jason, didn't you and Trace go out to fucking the Great Wall of China or something? I, God, yeah, I should have yeah. fucking done it, man. What was what what was I doing that was so important that I didn't go and do that? I will, what was I, it I was doing? A bus drive. No, it was uh, it was it was yeah. an Uber. It was an Uber. It's like an but, but the Uber did we did leave like the hotel at like six thirty six in the morning or something like that. Like it was a super early departure because it was like an hour and a half, two hour drive to get out there. Yeah, but I'm just trying to think what would I have been doing at an event that was more important. You so, were probably so in is... the in the sauna eating oranges with the uh, with the other. Oh the yeah. Other yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, we uh that was that was a really cool and I have some cool pictures from that. Yeah, me me Trace and, and Matt all went out to the to the Great Wall for a day. Um, he did the 300 picture, right? Yeah, the, the yeah, yeah, the one of him kicking me down the stairs. We climbed yeah. all the we we like walked for like an hour along the wall and then you get to a point where like the wall kind of like it has like a break in it that you can't pass. Um but what you do is you climb up these stairs uh, to to like the end of the line and like the stairs were like like actually legitimately like dangerous like they were almost like vertical cracked stairs some of them were small some of them were huge um like relatively intimidating to go up and down uh, but when yeah, we got when we well. got to the top of them um there was a there was a fucking dude there with like one of those giant like to-go food bags like almost like a, a a doordash bag but it was just full of beer he was just selling beer at the top of these the top of these fucking <laughs> crazy ass stairs so we just had a beer at the top of the uh, top of the great wall so, kids, uh, when you get to the top of the precarious stairs that haven't been maintained and uh, looked quite dangerous, make sure you uh, drink some alcohol. You have a beer. Have a cool yeah. one. That's uh, yeah. Set yourself up for the, the Jason, walk back down. 
Moses O'Toole's stamp of approval right there. Just bang. Uh, yeah, I you you talk about like the. Um, I, I sit there and I imagine like some some guy. It's his job to go and do Great Wall of China fucking maintenance. Right, he goes out there and he's like, yeah, you know, I, I can't. They're not fixing the wall up, surely. No, surely no, the I, wall is just I like degrading, just, and that's it is what it is. I don't and think the a, Huns are a, coming back. Oh, it's also a, you know it's a huge wall. I, you you got to have a lot a lot of maintenance people to uh, to keep track of that wall. That's why unemployment yeah. is low in China. <laughs> but like like i no i, I get I, I feel that right but you i when you're talking about it and you're out at this thing that's like a tourist thing and i'm thinking here in malta like i've been to a bunch of different locations around the island like there's one spot it's like a popeye's village but they on the other side of the village is it's like this bay right and there's this b- big cliff um and there's signs that say like you know careful this that and the other but there's no barricades or anything like you can literally just go up to the edge of this fucking massive sheer steep cliff with just rocks below um anywhere around the island like that's just that's just everywhere and i think about that and it's like people i think people underestimate like um like when when there's scenarios like that just how quickly you could slip especially here in malta man i'm walking around all the time here it's so hot and everything is made out of, I assume in this fucking limestone stuff that, that the island's made out of. It's so slippery. Like yeah, everything's slippery. Yeah. It would, not even when it's wet. Like when it's hot because it gets this sheen to it. I guess there's just like, it. it I, I, that's why I've, I've, I've probably said this on the show before, but I'll say it again. It, it can never be forgotten. When you're out walking around in Malta, make sure you're wearing responsible footwear. It feels like a place you should be able to, you know, get around in flip-flops, maybe a pair of Crocs. But, mate, if you're going up or down some hills and it's slippery, you're going to be in for a rough day at the office. I'll tell you that much. A bit of a bruised tailbone, maybe a graze. You know, we don't want any of that. You yeah. need to be keeping yourself happy and healthy. I fucking hate Crocs. <laughs> They're hideous. Headlights that's, on your Crocs. That's They're what Yanko hideous. took away from that. <laughs> They're hideous, man. Away. It's one of those things where people will try to convince you that that's like cool or nice or they're super comfy i don't care like you can't be wearing those like and now yeah i know jason now like you can they've gone like the the route where in those holes like you can put badges or pins or whatever and you can buy like those for like 500 a pop or like even more expensive like so people wear them as sort of like it's like it's it's becoming a little bit like the balenciaga thing where it's like how ridiculous can we make something and people are still going to buy it because it's like this brand and it's popular and you know like it's a it's a status symbol at that point it's not like a nice piece of footwear do you do i have you a know question the, do you know the story about crocs really quick no is this the one that's floating around on the tiktoks or the instagrams that's from a movie right it is from a movie i didn't know it was on the tiktoks and instagrams but like did you ever see the movie idiocracy it was made by like a uh, mike judge who did um king of the hill and like beavis and butthead um, it was like a movie he made about how like like a dystopian society of where everything has gotten so dumbed down and we've dumbed the population down so much over generations that idiots rule the world. Well, he wanted to find like he was trying to like find like clothing that they would all wear in the future, like stupid people would really love in the future. And he had a really limited budget. So they went with like the startup shoe company that made cheap plastic shoes. And it turns out they were Crocs. And he thought they were too stupid looking and futuristic looking to ever become popular in real life and that's why he used them for the movie and now they're just fucking everywhere <laughs> that's brilliant. Yep. that actually makes we fulfilled a lot the of prophecy sense. 
Uh, but Yanko, I got to, I got to ask you some questions here about your your croc hatred. Right. So just uh, I'm going to ask you places that you can or cannot wear Crocs, right? And you you tell me yes or no. Okay. Uh, no. Okay. Uh, a movie theater. No. Shopping no. mall. No. Okay. You can see where this is going, Chad. Under what no about, circumstance. What are about you the gym? To wear Crocs? What about the gym? Hell no. What about what about a public swimming pool? What about a public swimming pool? No, just wear flip flops. What about in a public? What about in a public shower so you don't you don't get foot fungus? No, better to get foot fungus than be seen in those. Oof. Um. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, it's it's just not happening. Okay, all right. I I did try. You did try. You tried really hard. I gave it a crack, uh, and apparently. There's no way forward with the croc discussion. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. You know what good news? Uh, actually, Yanka, how was your how was your vacation? It was nice. It was like didn't do anything crazy. We just were in a more quiet part of uh, Mallorca, so it was just like chilling during the day. So it was a vacation nice. and not tourism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in Mallorca, you are supposed to sort of rent a car, like drive, because the beach, there's nice beaches, but they're like a little bit secluded and in different parts of the island. But we were just too lazy for any of that. Like, I didn't have it in me. So it was mostly just chilling, hitting a couple of nice restaurants in the evening, like enjoying the, the food and stuff, catching up with some I think some I went reading. there once before. That's it. There's some nice places there. It's a good spot. I think it's like it's. Then we were just it was just a week, right? But I think it, it. You can organize something nice if you go like ten days and then switch accommodation like halfway through. You know, like go from one side to the other side, just so it's like easier Changing for you to get scenery. around those those spots. And then it can be. I think you can get a lot more out of it. It's just like for us at this point, like this was this was how we wanted to roll. Um, so yeah, it, it was. Pretty cool. Not nothing too crazy. Yeah, I, still, I find that like I still don't. Yeah. Sorry, I still like prefer Greece over Spain. I think. Oh, yeah. I think it's like nicer the the season. I think also I've become like, you know, the thing with Spain is it's like every beach is a public beach in a way, right? Like it's you can't prohibit anyone to go somewhere. So even if there's like let's say a beach bar and they have their own things I, I don't know it's it's weird like you can't have them on the beach there's some rules that are like a bit make it a little bit different than for example greece or i guess i don't know where else um so yeah and i got i'm pretty spoiled at this point where it's like i can't yeah you like want to on the beach like mate. bring my own um umbrella the right, and stuff. Or something, I, okay. i'm i'm pretty pale like so i get red really quickly in like in the strong sun so i have to be in the shade Get get you out to somewhere like Thailand. Get get out there, mate. There's bars everywhere. I'll tell you, they'll be on the beach. They were, you know, you won't you won't have. I guess it's a bit longer of a flight. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Spain and Greece are kind of just around the corner. <laughs> I got the bl- I got the blast stream on right now. I reckon Config's been out in the sun somewhere. He's looking. He's glowing. He's uh, he's definitely been up in his his town in the summer. You know, Probably people Malta. been working on it. What? I don't think. Well, why would he be in Malta? I don't know. I was just making a joke about how he got kicked in Malta. Yeah, see, I, <laughs> nice I, I, I left you yeah, wide open. We definitely that, haven't like yeah, run see? that one yeah. into the ground. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It still, was, a, it was. A, I thought I, I thought I'd bring it back. It was a throwback. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, but if you're gonna bring it back, I'm gonna make you back it up. Like, uh, you know, we, we can't be. Listen, yeah. guys, and it's, I think, it's eight forty-five in the morning. <laughs> I haven't finished my fucking coffee. <laughs> you probably still just have vibrators on, Chad. 
I still have Walt on? Vibrance on. Oh, yeah, I do. I do still have Vibrance on. But it, it does look like I compared to everybody else, right? Like, uh, I, so I'm still using, I've, still I've, using the Vibrance. I've turned my Vibrance chart. down because I'm full on a CS2 player these days. No, come on, Jason, man. Hey, I don't, I don't have enough people to get CSGO pugs going on. So me and Fiffy just roll in CS2 at the end of the day. Okay, so are you playing shorties, longies? What's the situation? Shorties, uh, mostly. And, and, you know, it's, okay. it's, it's not easy, too. I think in NA, we're waiting, waiting like 10 to 15 minutes to get a queue to pop. Um, but, okay. But they've just introduced Wingman now into CS2. So that should, be, that should speed things up when we, when we play later on today. It's only overpass, though. They haven't included Vertigo in the uh, Wingman situation Fuck for some reason. Dude. I'm not sure why. It's not even in the competitive, like, can you even match make it in CS2? No, no, it is it's casual, casual and deathmatch. Yeah. Which I is like hopefully that. a sign of it not That they've being just the taken it out entirely, yeah. Well, that's the speculation, right? That the fact that if it's not being put in the competitive now, is it even going to be, you know, play? But well, here's a question, it, Chad. I got a question yeah. for you. If you have this piece of information about CS2 and you're a professional team, do you gamble on the idea that it's just been thrown into casual, that it won't be in the map pool come CS2's release, so you don't give nah, it as much I love don't right think- now? I don't think you think about it at all. I would imagine, right, considering this transition, we're assuming is going to happen sometime this year, right? So right now we're already in July, so it has to happen sometime in the next, you know, couple of months. So the map pool, it would be crazy to think that they would actually, maybe not. Like I, the the biggest the biggest pushback that I have here to introducing a new map into the map pool is the fact that there's already so much other change, right? that by adding an entirely new map, is that an overload of change? Oh, Would it just not that. be safer to go, well, yeah, that's, that's, where, yeah. that's where I'm leaning, right? And looking, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, depends you know, which map on the side is of caution. For it, yes, you know, that's true. But what, what would you before. even speculate, right? Yeah, no, it's hard. I, don't, I have no idea how Cobble will look. Um, I don't think they'll do the thing where they like rent a map off somebody again like they did before with um, Cobble's is, Cash. Cobble is theirs though, right? Yeah. No, I know, I know. But, yeah, the, but the current is, version of Cobble, they'd have to rebuild it. It's dog tier right now. But I did see FMP uh, say that Cash, Cash is on CS2 be a head-to-toe will be a head to toe remake. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, but, but that doesn't, like, in terms of being in the game, like, I, if they're going to continue the way that they've gone, if you look at Anubis. They bought Anubis off the the people who made it like off the mappers, right? So if FMPO makes cash again, will will they go with the model that they had before, where I think like it was kind of like they were renting the map off of him, yeah? Um, or will they Bro, go like, oh, we have to I buy? Think, it I think they I think they'd want to buy it. I think they I think they're just going to buy all of them now, especially with the yeah. That's the thing. And then it's, do they want to sell it? Because that's the thing you're selling. You're selling the map. Wouldn't you so, want to though? Wouldn't that wouldn't that be the, yeah. the end what? goal? You're not like, of the map maker. This is like my that. child. Well, that, that's the thing though. That's the thing. Like where so, but the, the going rate for the map, right? So, um, I don't know the the figure, but I think at the time it was discussed that like, it was like bought for like a hundred grand or something. I don't I know. Was, if I was going to say one hundred and fifty is the number I remember, but I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the exact. I, I'm, I'm not certain even if that that figure is public. But let's say it's around that. That seems like that's good money. But is like that the Valve now own that map forever. Like Anubis is now owned yeah. by Valve forever. And the reason for that, you'd want to own it if you're Valve because you want to do whatever the fuck you want with it. And you can update the map when you need to update it. Like you have actual employees that you can work on it. You're not relying on somebody else yeah. um, to have the upkeep of the map. So it makes sense on why they want to own it. And as a map maker, um, like it's not like there's another party out there, like, uh, you know, looking to, looking to buy a map for 100, like take that payday. They but how know. does it work with, like, at the moment with, 
this is a thing I'd have to ask Rush through this, but I know like in past in like Wingman and stuff, the maps there are uh, community made maps sometimes, right? Or actually quite yeah, often. They have a couple special ones. Yeah. So that's the thing. I, I wonder how it goes when those maps come in, like how those mappers, how the money's made there. So may, maybe they asked, I don't know. Uh, a third, a third I, of the I, size, a third of the fee. It'd be great to hear if there are any experts in this field to do with mapping and Counter-Strike and, and where Valve are leaning. So I suppose you, you'd have to be a bit of an insider to have any info. Let us know. Let us know, you know. Yeah. You can Slide into the DMs. Send a message on the Twitter sphere. People use the... actually Like we had a lot of people comment uh, on like on the recent episode. We had over like 30 comments. It's kind of cool that people people learn that. A lot of people were asking me to do the fucking the after everyday blast thing. And I thought about it after I'd said it on the show. I was like... Mate, I'm fed up of hearing my fucking voice. There's no way. And then if I'm talking about that every day, what every, am I going to talk about? Every day is, that's a busy schedule. Exactly. But it would it would have been like more in detail, like more nerdy fucking micro, macro, Counter-Strike stuff, like not just so broad. But even then I'm like, do it. It's a, yeah. So maybe in the future, who knows? But right now, no. No, 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 Yeah. Yeah, there's. I think there's some cool ways to do it. I wanna. I think it'd be fun. I want to see like what these all these new lineups like. Since we're getting a glimpse of them at Blast, like it'd be fun to like go back after Cologne and see like what changes they've made over the span of like two tournaments, right? Like what adjustments have they have they made with these new lineups? Have they changed you roles? See, Are they doing things yeah, a little bit s- differently? You see this link? I'll, I'll whack it in chat. So um, Harry Nero, the guy who works for uh, HLTV, he um, he has this this i saw he had a sick graphic on twitter the other day so check this out right so this is what like when i would do my prep for games or whatever or matches and going in and i wanted to check i i would i would like manually go in i'd watch a couple of like demos or i'd use shadow gg to like scrub through to see where players play and be like okay yeah this is a general setup this is what they're gonna do like he has this that he updates so like he's updated this to the the stuff that you know you've seen happen in the the matches with the teams who are playing now He's got both for like the way that they approach the T and the CT side. Now, look, some of the definitions you may define things differently, or you may use different terms, or or whatever. But just in terms of general for CT positions and stuff, this guy's he's he's fucking he's got it on tap. He's got it for T side as well. He's got it for both. Yeah, so it's like that's a that's a nice little resource here that he uh, he's putting out there. That's pretty cool. I thought. Yeah, dude, and this is and this actually is like this is like all the players too. Like you can scroll in this. It's not just the top thirty. That's fucking mental. It's kind of fun. But, uh, yeah, new, I don't even know what we would... Yeah. <laughs> new overpass, though, looks sick. Talks about vertical. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's never, <laughs> not in the map pool, but overpass looks really nice. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I feel like that I feel like the movement is feeling better and better every time I play. But like there's so even the audio. So audio when we were playing Nuke was fucking dog shit. But when I was playing Overpass, which has some areas which is like through walls or like on like different elevations and stuff, um, I felt that the audio was easier to identify. And the same as Vertigo. Like we played some casually that last night because when we when it popped, we couldn't queue together. Um, it kept crashing the game when we tried to lobby up initially. So we just queued casual and got into the same game and we're running around. And um, I thought that the, like I obviously didn't test anything crazy, but yeah, like it feels like every time there's consistent, consistent updates being added. Like this one game, Wingman being added, who cares? Like that for us means nothing for the competitive side of things and the feel of the game. Um, what else have we got here? I added the secondary fire hold option to the input settings menu. I'd, I'd, I'd have I to know investigate that, means, that exactly. Yeah, yeah. but there's there's nothing here. Like I, there's nothing here that says that they tweaked this or they did this. So I'm curious 
um, if things do actually feel different or is it just my head? Like this is one of the things like how do we measure these type of changes? And I'm definitely not smart enough or actually maybe maybe I just, you know, don't want to do it. Maybe I don't want to measure it. Maybe why today's I, the day. Maybe it? when this podcast get is out done, there. you get in there and you actually get it done. You feel like a yeah. surge of motivation. <laughs> do, the, do the one-to-one comparisons. Sure. See what they're looking like. You know, I know that um, Rushley goes out there and he like clips stuff immediately. He's, he's so hungry for all the interactions, this guy. So maybe he'll put some, some good content out for Overpass. It's, what do you think of the... Because, Yanko, we essentially saw... It, it didn't look exactly like this. It looked mainly like this, right, Jason, when we got to play yeah. it? Because this was what I... Um, what, what do you think, Yanko, of the map when you see it? Of Overpass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it looks great. <laughs> if that's what you mean, just like visually, because I didn't get to, yeah, well, I didn't get in game yet. Yeah, well, like, there's new, there's some new angles and stuff um, that exist in the game. So there's like different, uh, different props. There's also some stuff which I don't know if it should bug me, but it kind of bugs me. And I can, I saw it was on Reddit and stuff, and it bugged a couple of people as well. Um, there's like certain props around the map that are in areas that look like you should be able to jump on them, but you can't jump on them. And then it's like, well, should the prop, like, should it even be there? Because then essentially it's just this like misleading decoration. But then it's like, well, is it just like anything else? Like we'll just get used to it over time. Like, is it really that big of a deal? So like people were, I saw even people were complaining at long, you know how you do the bench to the flower pot jump? People like, oh, you can't do that anymore. But they've added in front of the flower pot this thing so you can just like do a crouch jump to get up there. So you can still get up there. The position is still usable. It's still, you just... Just do it a little differently. Yeah. I would say slightly easier, but... uh, I like... Differently. I couldn't remember if they had this when we we tested it in January, but out towards long now, they like have different materials on the ground when you're coming up to the A bomb site as T. So like... Uh, Yeah, it's more wooden when it gets closer towards the site, yeah. Track by audio how close they are by like if you hear the wood sound or the concrete sound. There's a lot of trees and poles deep long, right? Like if you're on the... Coming up from the T side, right? Like you've got that first rock and then to the left, there's a lot more trees and poles and obviously they're not like the best cover in the world, right? You can get shot through them um and they like but to actually be able to go from like tree to pole to tree to pole as you work out long like you kind of have some cheeky cover that if they did bang a shot and it went through the pole into your head maybe you don't go down like i i i saw that i was like because you know long at the moment you're scaling up it's so open other than the two rocks and the tree this is really really thin cover but it's just like it's still better than nothing it's enough to give you a (laughs) chance it's like american gladiators it's like the eliminator you got to traverse the whole fucking way you take it. You take it over not having anything, right? So uh, there's uh, over towards B. You know, Yanko, that angle near shore if you're a CT. Um, and there's kind of those garbage bags okay. and you like kind of pop up and down. And people sit on that off angle and look monster. But you can also get them as they scale out like shore in front of you. Yeah. There's that kind of position there. There's now like a railing. And I was today, you can jump. Uh, you can One person can be on the railing. The other guy can jump on his head and you can see like interconnect adjust like not deep or anything but you could get a line like it's a new boost the one that doesn't exist to, with two people at the moment um so there's like there's there's that um there's at short where sandbags are there's a ledge behind sandbags so you can jump from the ledge onto the sandbag at short on your own oh that's it and um, i know one thing they changed too out at long 
the first corner when you're tea, they like rounded this corner, not rounded it, but they like shaved it off a little bit. So you can't get punished by an opera who jumped up on towards flowers. They've taken that angle away. If he's like tucked in far left on flowers, like against the wall, like he, he can no longer see you until you get to the rock and really swing out wide. There, are, There's another one over towards uh, like T stairs as well that like now uh, you can't see the player, the team like going towards playground, I think. Um, and also because it's deeper, I think people were having a harder time throwing the molly, but I'm sure it's just, you know, a matter of time before people work out, you know, an efficient way or some way of, of being able to block that area or even being able to do as it is now. Um, so like, this is the thing when, when this stuff comes out, I, you get, you need to be a lot, well, it's not a lot more precise. Your grenades need to be used differently. Even little details, right? Like how people start to refine boosts. So the boost on overpass gets to the point where you have the two little sandbags that the CTs like boost on, but one has a slightly lower elevation than the other and you want the guy to stand on the slightly lower elevation so the other guy can jump on your head and not have to do the crouch and then bob up and risk getting popped while you're setting the boost up, right? Like the efficient ways of doing things need to be found again, right? That, that's an example of what I'm giving here that people will need to now go, okay, now we need to stand here instead, like we get a better angle here or this means we won't be visible until we do this. Like all of these things are gonna have to be tweaked again. And that's the the nerdiness of the game that gets to be um, investigated because otherwise, hopefully, it is pretty much what's being played now. Because I'm trying to play like a good amount of CS at the moment, being at home. It's fun. Like I'm playing deathmatch every day. We're playing some pugs. You know, we're having some good games. It's good fun. Like, and to you know, hopefully, this new version can deliver that same thing. And it feels like it's it feels it's feeling better every time I play it. Yeah, it feels like it's on the way. But I don't know. I'm old. Like, if I was if I was like a 22 year old again i'd probably like, this yeah if you'd, sucks. if you'd sunk ten thousand hours into csgo over the past like three years yeah you might be a little frustrated <laughs> yeah so i know hard. that the way I, I view some of this stuff is maybe not accurate with the you the didn't even the mention trenches. the water how cool it looks <laughs> yeah yeah no i i do think it looks cool but um it's not it, it has no it has no real game changing application right no that's, it just looks yeah, good but that's even cool. like yeah like yesterday um, yeah, i was looking over the ledge on vertigo you know you might be hating on vertigo that's fine but they've even changed like how the skyscrapers outside look and like how the car the cop cars and everything look at the bottom and all that they've they've redone those textures you know so it's just the little things that make a big difference generally. i still wonder if like the only i mean problem let's say with overpass it's like the map is too big i i really wonder that fix that you know i talked about at one time if that could help it if you would just oh, move in the bomb site yeah just making the map outside of like that line from monster all the way to a long right like you make the rest of the map like 30 percent smaller you know just so it's like you just make it so that it's the t's can like actually rotate from a to b without having to have connector and water control right like that it's not it's just so silly how long it takes where you know the cts can go from b to a repush a clear it and still go back to b before you make it from like bathrooms back um through playground and all the way to monster you know it's just like it's kind of sucky but you know obviously you could argue that well that's why connector and water are key on overpass right and that's like sure as important as i don't know banana on inferno Inferno, and you need to have that control if you want to do that and if not you have to like account for it which i you know it's fair i I think just like sort of being if i wonder if you are able to tweak it without like really 
minimizing too much the importance of that part of the map, but still making it just a little bit easier for the T's because but you know it's like you think uh, about the the change the the so I don't I don't imagine this is going to have a huge difference. Like I said, people would probably work out a way to block this choke point. Uh, in no time but if it was easier for the tees to get like fountain control and playground like immediately right and they weren't locked in or weren't worried about like scaling up and having to use so many resources um then you know maybe the map would play a little bit faster but at the same time that's that's it's the same map right so uh, people are going to play it as methodical right they, they are going to take their time there will be ways to go for aggressive players it'll just be different variations so this is the thing it's, it's one of the maps that it has a lot of nuance to it, the way that it's played and approached, but it, it has a lot of downtime of action. Um, so maybe that's its maybe that's its appeal. Sure, so I, it's always been one of the more tactical maps, like for a for long sure. time now. Like it's it's just been that way. Um, well, but this, it's not like it's not just like a standard like pushback though. When you think about like doing you know a default as a tease and just slowly like pressuring them back and turtling them up, it's kind of you know it. it it plays a bit differently the way that you can take your timings and when you can pressure different points and areas you can lock CTs into. So it's a little bit funkier than like the traditional map. So I guess, you know, maybe that's why. Yeah, I think too, like like Yanko said, because it's so big, like there are just points on the map where you just have to take risks, right? Like you have to take calculated risks, like how many teams we see like walking it. Like sometimes you'll just see teams walk through bathrooms without using utility. Like they just take the risk of like having contact because they need the utility later on. It's it's one of those maps. The only time I ever like get frustrated with overpasses every once in a while, it like falls into like the B hit simulator where you have like that one minute long round where like nothing really happens and then they just execute on the B bomb site, uh, which sometimes gets a little boring, but yeah. I, and it's about trading or who's yeah. hitting the shots, right? Yeah. Well, but that, that, that's, that's still better. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many vertigo haters, man. It's fine. It's fine. Everyone's got their preferences. It's all good. What's your least favorite map? Mirage, right? It was Mirage. I, I think the, the downtime in overpass has kind of cooked me a little bit on it in recent times just and the, the, the sheer amount of saving right obviously being such an orb heavy map people love a little bit of a i think save. inferno's getting a lot of shade these days as well just because yeah, it turns inferno, into a save simulator at times if it but the thing is inferno is like the middle ground these days so as a third late it's always going to deliver from like that kind of a standpoint but in yeah like if you can't get banana control or you're just losing the sights immediately. There are, is a lot of saving going on there. Do you guys have the game on right now? Uh, yeah, on my second screen. Yeah, the, like, have like, what have you been thinking of your boy Elish, Jason, Move over there in complexity? Uh, look good on day one. I'm not. I'm gonna kind of throw out the vitality game because that's uh, I think a little bit unreasonable. But they did get they did get straight bodied, but. Um, early going was good. He was he was fragging well, and I mean, I think it's kind of like I keep like uh, I don't know if I'm like making it up quite yet. I need to see a little bit more. But like you remember, like when Holzer came in, like for Junior, and immediately there was like a step up in performance. Not because like Holzer is like some super sick player that like is gonna change, but like just the, just the fact that he wasn't making the same mistakes like complexity got better like because he wasn't like pushing into angles and peeking into angles the way junior was like just out of the gate they just got better due to decision making and that's kind of where i feel like uh complexity is with the liege the question is going to be for me like can can complexity look like they've they've gained form for two to three months you know like is it going to last it is it, it well this is one of these things right like i this is a broader discussion not just to do with complexity i suppose it's this event in a, as a whole it's like what uh 
you like as an individual i suppose and then that can be brought into like maybe what the community general consensus or expectation is or, or what the team expectation is um of of how these teams perform or do or don't perform or, or or whatnot like for me i'm not concerned with established rosters you know losing in close matches to teams they know nothing about that doesn't bother me um i i'm interested to see like how the new rosters are putting things together like how are navi playing like how, how are they looking how are they communicating how, how are they addressing the game what type of play style are we seeing here um and and maybe some of these smaller changes like yeah if a liege can have consistent good performances which we we know he can have good performances he already proved that consistent good performances as the team gets more reps and stuff in that's a great sign for a team like complexity that's a measurement i can take from this all right you know early signs Alige still can frag that's great right like that's that's the prerequisite of having a player like Alige in your team that he will shoot then if he can you know bring a bit more of a mentorship to some of these less experienced players um you know play a, play that type of a role in the team to help them uh, take that next step great Right, so that's how I'm kind of looking to to measure complexity. But right now, whatever they do, it's still such early days. I think yeah. people don't appreciate the details that go into coming up with a full game of Counter Strike. And at different points in your team's evolution, you're focusing on different things. Like you don't just come in and you're a full package immediately. All right, guys, we're going to work on defaults, executions, retakes, post plant situations. You're not doing it all at once. Right, you're obviously focusing on a couple of key things or a couple of key rules or principles of how you want to approach scenarios or how you want to set up. And then you add and add and add, especially with brand new teams like Na'Vi. Like th- that right there, that's starting from day one. You just, you start again, like it's from day one. And that's going to be such an adjustment period. Like I can't, I can't imagine, you know, I can see Simple getting frustrated. I see the community also like out there doing their classic critique of this again. And we can have a conversation about that too. But like this is this is was always the fear that if they were going to go down this route, simple needs to be able to acknowledge the fact that this is this is day one Counter Strike, yeah. right? But even if he does, you know, and is acknowledging that, um, people know what simple's like, and you know, JL even when he put that funny join like he, joining Navi little thing he put out on social media. Like even though it's tongue in cheek, a bit of that is acknowledging the fact that hey, like we know that you know, this this type of a culture, this type of a team, there's no bullshit. Alexi's even made those type of comments in interviews that you know it's a lot a lot more to the point. So that's the way it's going to be. And you know, I'm not I'm not saying you know it's gr- it's good to rage. I'm just saying that's that's how he is and that's how how it goes over. <laughs> yeah, there. but like, I mean, don't you think some of that criticism is warranted? People can criticize. I'm not saying don't criticize. People can say whatever the fuck they want. But I'm just saying that we it's we know what he's like. So I don't know why the expectation is anything yeah, different. Yeah, but I mean, the fact that we know how he's like and how he's, he's like doesn't mean that he can't be better at some things. <laughs> like, it doesn't... No, that's true, it, but... It's not like I, we have... I mean, we have to, but I'm saying, like, if you're his teammates or if you are his coach or whatever, you obviously want him to mature a little bit in that sense you know and show some understanding for the process and whatnot and kind of well, that's essentially that was part of his story already right and that is kind of what i was just labeling a liege with and if he can he can become more of a you know that type of a figure yeah. and, and you know so it's, i i get what you're saying yanko and i'm not denying any of those things. i'm just saying like why is there such a, a hoo-ha about it like well, it's I because, don't know. It's, it's because it, sh- it, it, is, it shouldn't happen. Yeah, exactly. Because it is kind of unreasonable f- from him to 
make those comments and like sound like I mean <laughs> I saw some of the comments in that thread. It's like what did he expect? Like actually, what, your expectations should be so low at the beginning, right? So basically, you can't you be, dis- be going there, you to. can't be disappointed. But he already sounds disappointed. But I don't know how that is really possible. Like what what were your expectations, right? And now someone's gonna come in and say, oh yeah, but that's you know simple. His expectation is always to win, no matter what. It's like. Well, you know, sure, but that's not really how things work when you make such a drastic change to your lineup. Like, that, that is an, an, an unreasonable expectation. You're actually doing more harm, harm than good for your team in the long run with that sort of an attitude and with those comments. Like, you have two guys in there, like, that are still basically rookies. They're green, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and I mean, that's, a, a, it was like we already discussed how big of a risk it is for Navi to pick up these guys like based off of well sure for for um Ima it's like a massive you know pretty much MVP level of performance in like one major you know and I, I think the problem with with some of those things is it's like sure let's say you know mechanically very skilled but it's more about like how many of some in-game concepts do they even know about right and if they and the ones they don't know about how click quickly can they learn how fast can you teach them and how quickly can they adapt to the way you want to play tier one counter-strike right and that's something where when we talk about experience who can i give as an example let's say borup even right like he was in heroic a long time ago right and and he did play tier one counter-strike for a while and so on so when you bring him back to like let's say astralis well he's probably going to have good elements of team play and know some of the some of those concepts right to know his how to should be good yeah his comp should be like you know so that's like much it's much easier going to be to 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 do things with him than it is with like i don't know probably altex or buzz right because they're still rookies and even though you had them on your academy team where you're probably teaching these things like you know it still takes a while so i i was really surprised it's like again like if you're a navi fan you must be like Right, like you know, like just this thing again. Like we saw it happen with you know MPL as well. It's like why are, you know if this is bothering you so much, not just simple, but let's say as a team, like why are you making these drastic changes? You know, if you haven't had the conversation, being like, listen, the first three months, let's say, is only about like figuring out how the five of us can play together. Right. What's the timeline even, right? It's the next major, right? Like you have that long to try and figure things out. Yeah, and, and the problem is like, you know, culture and, and, and team atmosphere matters, right? Like you yeah. you need to want to be there and come into practice. Like, sure, of course, I think for JL and and you know, you might it's like such a huge opportunity. Their motivation is they're not going to get demotivated by simple a few comments i don't think so but it sh- it certainly doesn't help to see some of his reactions even in game you know the spinning around and all of that stuff it's like come on man like well they play later today 17 right? i imagine anymore. that won't be in the game this time around right i well, imagine that will probably have there will have been a discussion i think my biggest my biggest problem with it is i think we've seen we've seen simple like learn and understand that you know what kind of attitude he needs to have because the simple we saw when they won the stockholm major was completely different than the simple we've seen for the past year past year and a half and i think you know to a certain extent 
you know, it's, I guess you could make an argument maybe that like, you know, his team was performing better and everyone was comfortable and everyone was playing really well. So he didn't have to rage, but it's like, you don't get to that point if you're constantly like poking and raging at your teammates and making comments like the way he's done. I had no problem with like the spinning inside the server, to be honest with you. I think that part's going to be a little overblown in like a 2v4, whatever it was when he smoked off in halls, like that's that's nothing to me but like the the comments the tweet after the game like of course there's going to be stupid mistakes like and and at at a certain point as someone who kind of embodies navi as the best player in the world you need to keep your shit together when you make when you make public posts and like that that lack of that kind of like mental strength to like be that to to kind of establish that culture within the team environment is uh is i think gonna is gonna cause delays to their improvement more than anything inside of the game I think well, if he's dropping thirty every game, then then we're then we're probably okay, right? I know you guys are gonna say, well, no, still still not acceptable, but you know, then then maybe is the conversation a little bit different? Is it that it's now you know simple as he's not dropping bombs anymore? He's having a bit of a, a bit of a harder time out there. Like obviously, a new team is gonna make that like it's gonna exacerbate that problem, right? Like it's it's not gonna make things easier. I think it's just like. I, for one, I mean, I always wanted to have players with ego, and I think a true star player has to have ego to to be that and to take over games and have like moments and and, and bail, you, bail you out in some situations, right? But you know, there's also, I, I guess, a thin line between having that and then just being, you know, arrogant and 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 doing things that are actually hurting your team rather than than helping them. I I, I saw firsthand, you know, I think these. The players are also unaware of how other players, especially young players coming into their team, like how much, you know, in awe almost they are of them, right? And and I don't think they really understand still at times how much impact they can have on these players, positive or negative, <laughs> you know, like especially if you're like whatever jl or or even you know a guy like alexi beats like you're coming to play with simple like the goat you know you've been wrecked by this guy countless times especially if you're alexi right i mean because he's played him obviously plenty of times in in the tier one scene and now like you're like getting to lead him and 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 play on a team with him and and use him right and then you come onto the team and it's like this is what you have to deal with compared to maybe some more understanding and just like sort of leading you always have like sure you have the in-game leader but also a big voice on your team is your best player like it's it's always the case and sometimes you know we even heard it in a couple of interviews from Zyvo or Apex like from um, Zonic or Apex talking about Zyvo where it's like yeah whenever he speaks up like in a game you know everyone listens and everyone does it and sometimes it can have this sort of a impact or influence where it's like that was the turning point in the game right because you know we 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 started playing better from that point on people like zoned in and 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 we started uh, turning the game around right so i think in the end it's more about sort of just at, at this point like i it's also obvious he said it himself multiple times like he struggles and this happens when the team not necessarily just isn't playing well, but they don't really know what they're doing. You know, like they don't... So there's a lot of random things happening and then it's harder for him to play and then he gets frustrated and all of that stuff. But I mean, you should have expected that um, at the start of this lineup for sure. 
Yeah, well, like I said, they, they play later today against Big, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes down like for multiple reasons because all of this is just like a, a bit of a, a learning experience, right? Like we're getting to see sure. how some of these teams are working together. <laughs> also, it was funny and, when, when someone asked him about like bit and English and it's like, oh, only God can help him or something. <laughs> like, like that's how bad it is. I mean, I, just such a... No, but like, I think that's also like that little joke is like low key, like a window into like what's a little bit scary. Like if simple's already like popping off, even if like the comments aren't necessarily the, the worst thing in the world on, on day two game official number two, like what happens when like you're a month deep, like it took, how long did it take Vitality to kind of get over those language issues? Like almost a year. Well, they yeah. even had to change a plan. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's like, if you know, you, you're going to have those language barrier issues that are going to cause mistakes. So like if, if simple's already freaking out on official two, I think the bigger worry is just looking down the road and being like, can he keep it cool enough to add to like actually, you know, improve this team in a, in a meaningful way. I think that's well, bigger the worry though. than the isolated incident of yesterday or two days ago or whenever it was. But out the gates, like there's no expectation this team comes out and they're the most, you know, they, they have the deepest playbook Correct. and they're, they're tactically sound in terms of their mid-round decision-making and everybody's on the same page. Like, that's just an impossible thing for anybody to ever, you know, uh, sit here and speculate coming out the gates. What you'd be looking for is the individual's Right, being able to perform. Now, obviously, you need to understand the system and what's happening and where you need to go for fights and where what's covered and what you're set up for. Like the level of detail that goes into some of these different exchanges and the expectation from your teammates, but that's going to take some time. Like, you have some teams, some of the best teams of all time, like Fnatica, one of them, they always had this like natural chemistry that they were able to play off of each other so well in the mid rounds. And you listen to the Swedes calm, it's not full of heavy detail, right? There's kind of like very trust based. I know Counter Strike has, has uh, changed significantly. Yeah. since those days and it's a, it's a lot more moving and it has to be a, a, a lot more talking but what I'm saying is that you know it, that takes time that didn't happen overnight either so either to build the rapport and the chemistry with your teammates is going to take time of playing with them or to spend the time doing the theory to get everybody up to speed on how things should react is also going to take time so Wait, it's like so which, which side of this do you fall on because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're arguing that Simple shouldn't be showing this frustration, but then you're also kind of like he's the best player in the world, and if he drops thirty, then you know, fuck it, he's, you know what you're going to get. He's frustrated because because the guy the guy is you know like like everybody who's a competitor hates fucking losing, and he we already know that he has you know uh, a tendency to to flare up and let people know how he's feeling, right? Okay, so you With think you think stuff. the flare up is is silly that he did it, but you also don't care because of course it's going to happen. Well, this is the thing, like I. I'm, I'm gauging it off of uh, an individual whose tendencies I know, right? So, sure. so for me, for it to happen, my expectation was already there were going to be frustrations shown, right? Like, so I am not surprised okay. right, that, that there are frustrations shown. Where, where I was essentially going with the talk about like the counter there was the way that they were going to be competitive was individuals fragging, which comes down to just skill, right? Multi-killing, being able to, to get more out of situations than they probably should to bail them out of not being as tactically, tactically sound. So like you know if you you're making these these bad mid round decisions or whatever this is the this is hard it's hard because they ha they have the hard front on everything my my point here is it's it's going to be bad for a long time before it's good i think <laughs> Yeah, I just think if you're if you're like in that team and you're the organization, you're probably sitting there. You're like, you know what? We expect the frustrations too, and we know there's going to be a hard road, and we know people are going to get pissed off, and things aren't going to go according to plan. But at the very least, we can ensure that these comments aren't 
public and aren't a talking point when people mention our team. Like that's, that's the kind of shitty thing. I think if you're the player is as long as simple as making these public comments, you're going to have people like us. You're going to have people on the desk. It's going to be a talking point, simple's frustration with his teammates. And that's the last thing you want when you're trying to improve and get better. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that perspective. I, I, I don't know. I just think when I think I don't, I, I don't even know how to frame it. Yeah. It's a, because it's it's a not, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you at all. Yeah. And I, I, I think I just don't, it's not that I don't have an opinion. It's just that it's like, okay, well, yeah, this is happening. Yeah. You know. I think also that sort of um, premise that uh, you're just going to be able to out-aim everyone and just sort of bully people with firepower, I don't think that... It's not a long-term strategy yeah, I mean, I don't, by any means. <laughs> I don't think that can really happen nowadays it's like most of the time if anything well you can't really out aim people that much because well everyone can aim <laughs> everyone yeah. you know everyone's individually so much better now across the board yeah yeah right like if if anything like you should be aiming for um just having like a very high level of team play having really good communication <laughs> you know like which is not which is something that navi is going to have to work on um the most right because when you look at it and, and you look at teams play like sure but how do you get into positions where aim is the deciding factor right well then, then you know it should be less utility and you sh- you you know you should be coming from maybe an unexpected angle or position right where, where you have like maybe even the advantage or it's a 50 50 duel but you still need to create those scenarios in game right and that comes from team play strategy utility usage whatever it is right and obviously it takes time to to implement all those things so yeah it's just for me it's like you obviously also have to just like in you know you have a star player you want to make big changes to the team you should discuss it with him not necessarily to ask for his like permission but just get their feel um about it and make sure that they're not caught off guard and that it's like something where they don't want to play in those circumstances right because they are your best player the most impactful player you you want them to be happy too um because you know you're probably going to get the most out of them that way so i'm i'm assuming that you know a conversation was had with simple and he was in the loop about all these changes in which case is like again what were your expectations like how are you disappointed like to be disappointed you had to have had expectations and there should have been none at the start of this roster it's just wild to me Hmm. I see what you, I, I see that. Yeah, at least uh, the Cloud Nine situation has finally come through. Yeah, that's nice to see on the other side of all of this, right? You got the Navi, uh, but we also have a bit more pending time before we get to see them play. So we don't uh, we don't get this. The, the, I, I still can't work out if I think this is like a, a positive or do, a negative. Do thing, we right? know the, who's the in-game leader in that team? Electronic. Electronic. That yeah. was confirmed somewhere, like officially official. Uh, Nathany, I believe, mentioned it in the interview he gave. Um, let me see if I can find it again. All right, but let's, you know, we're operating under the... I feel that's a safe assumption. The yeah. assumption that Electronic is the in-game leader. Uh, that, would make, that would make the most sense, right? But this, um, this mutant... Well, it's not a mutant, is it? I guess Navi's probably the mutant. This is probably more of the... Um, do we it's think divine. do we think it's, it's it's beautiful do you think like so in in that case you know because there's obviously a role clash now and you know electronic and hobbit and 
perfecto are like you know they, they lack an aggressive rifle really like to be the entry fragger in a sense right they, so could have could Nafani have stayed on this roster without in-game leading like do do we think he is like good enough just individually to just play uh, I guess that I guess if you that what a fucking hard discussion because I think there's a parallel there's a parallel here to like the Furia thing where they kept art but electronic can be aggressive well, yeah. I, yeah, I I mean, so now when you look at it, like group the, in the group, you're going to have in the pack, it's Shiro, Electronic, and Perfecto or Hobbit, because Axile is going to play one one side. Uh, probably, probably, I don't know who I right. Like that's where so geez, who's going to be yeah, the okay. first guy and go there? I think for. C9 before I said I think like Hobbit was a bit lacking in, in that role where he was like the lurk sometimes and had you know like had to get some frags and it could have turned some rounds around like I think that was maybe lacking a little bit so maybe you what if what if Axel comes in the in the pack with with electronic right making the space and then you've got Shiro Axel electronic nah. and then you've got Hover and Perfect it's now too, you want like Axel on the, on that side because it applies a lot of pressure to have such a good player and knowing that he might have a 1v1 on the site like it's much scarier than you know no offense but having like perfect on hobbit on the sides then you would be like confident your anchor like is fine you know okay so i mean it's just like we don't have to go super deep into this but i just you know maybe in that sort of a i could much clearly see when it's like nafani there and electronic as a second guy like sort of trading him and shiro there and then i have perfecto and exile on the sides, right? Um, but this is and, this and is you, where and I, you have two anchors as well in Perfecto and Axile, right? You don't have to worry about that. So the only the, the main question is like first do you, do you think like he's just a good enough player to just play, and also are you worried? Has there just been like way too many issues within the team with the relationships and everything because of the losses? Where you know did you it's read just his, like his thing? what. Yeah, he put out like uh, yeah. So in that, I, the way that I guess he spoke about his relationship and coming up with Axel and Shira, that's and especially that age. Right? I think one thing that we don't really um, give a lot of time to when we're talking about these individuals is is, is definitely how how young they are, right? And then like the fact that they're maturing as human beings. And I guess what he was talking about coming up with those guys, they all were part of an academy roster, so they were even though he was the in-game leader of the team, he's given the responsibilities of being the caller. It wasn't like a team that like. You know, he was the he was the head honcho of, right? There were other mentor leadership figures there. So I that that's kind of how I interpret um what he's saying. Yeah, exactly. Right? Is the sense that that uh, he was on the same level with Shiro and Axel. He's obviously I saw people making jabs. He's not talking individually, he's talking within the stature of a team, and this is the thing. Team counterstrike people. Yeah. A lot has to happen in a team, right? I know we can't have a guy who's only getting five kills a map. That that I agree with, right? I, I, but, you know, there's a lot that goes into team Counter-Strike. It's a fucking, it's a detailed beast. I, oh, it, you, you can't Nafany, go past a beautiful round of CS. I feel like Nafany made the mistake of giving like a really good interview with a, really good answers whose like nuance and actual intentions of, of what he was saying is just going to get lost by the by the mass of the community, but I thought this was a re these were really, really good answers. That he yeah, he always gives good answers, yeah. right? Well, not so always, it, but... Yeah, I think that's a good answer, <laughs> but I, I, it's also like, I mean, I've said it before, that's why some of the criticism like that he was getting is wild. Like, you are 
phrase sometimes people were phrasing it like oh the the way they play it's all naff and it's, it's like dude he was on the team when he was like 17 like he said here you really think he masterminded like this whole style and is like really adamant about them playing it like no they, that, that's how he was like uh taught and that's how they were playing and then he just keeps you know calling within that system we don't know whether he would have liked to change it by now and change some things and you know, but I guess they just came well, to a point where the the relationships within the team were too strained and sort of some change needs to be made. I like the part in that interview, Jason, that you mentioned where at some point he said like even changing like the core of the team, which I guess, you know, obviously I have a hard time even to consider Nafani thought it would be a good idea to remove either Shiro or Axel. So I guess in yeah, the end right. it was down between, Hobbit part of the call. It was just between him and Hobbit, right? Like that yeah. that the decision came down to like he would pro- he probably wanted to like replace Hobbit um, because maybe he thought the same thing that he wasn't really his output wasn't as much as it needed to be uh, or whatever but in the end it was him who got the axe. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that that when he spoke about that, it would go back to like maybe even inters being removed. Although he was always one of the bigger outspoken proponents of of the inters change and what it what it could bring. Um, but that rumored Nafani team was kind of cool, right? I thought I think it was like Zorty, Chiron, uh, Nafani. There was one more uh, good name, Siren. I mean, kind of cool. Oh, you was mean the, the new one coming now that he's out? Spirit Academy. I got you. I swear. I saw. Yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 Not. Not. Nothing to do with Cloud Nine. Cool. Like the future for him. Like. Um, and he's even like he even mentions in that interview like he's a, about the future and stuff. Right. This is the thing. As an in-game leader, though, you can get a lot of different inspirations. And when you've been playing in the way that he's been playing. Um, it's going to be, you know, now now he gets to kind of pick and choose how how he sees the game going forward. It's just, I, I don't know where you end up. He, he even mentioned going international, but his English not being good enough, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. But I mean, I think his English is is really good. Whenever I've spoken to him, whenever I've heard him in, in interviews, um, which but I tells mean, you how it, highly he values communication, and you know, yeah. Yeah, and I think too, like I, I, I imagine, you know, maybe that opinion changes too when you realize that you can still put together a pretty solid team with all the talent that's coming out of out of that region, you know, out of out of uh, Eastern Europe that he could actually pick up the CIS players that he could grab and, and make a team with. He's like, yeah, why even mess with international? But um, yeah, his future is going to be a really interesting one to see because I'm 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 with you guys. I think that young in-game leader angle, and and he even mentions of it. He's just 22, and he's already been you know number of majors, already been considered at various points like a top three team in the world. Like he's got incredible experience for being that young. So I think for him, the important thing is his next team and next project as an in-game leader. Um, he needs to make it bang. You know, you got to be really careful. I think about this next one because this is what's either going to build upon this opinion of you as like a fail and struggling and mid-tier in-game leader or going to show like oh when you know now that he actually has the reins and now that he feels like he's in a leadership position he can he can make something work he can he can he can improve a team to to be competitive against the world um so his next team i think is going to be massive and massively important for the story of his career uh, i have a i have a pivot here if anybody's sure anybody's feeling up for it it's still about cloud nine but like so the general consensus is that the roster of the five players in the constellation is is sick right it, it it's a cool it's a cool looking roster but what are the expectations and this doesn't have to be the general consensus expectations but what are your like actual expectations i could say yeah i think the roster's sick but like cologne will be their first event i believe 
So what is what, what's the expectations? Like I don't expect them to come in and win Cologne in their first event, but if they you know uh, live in the honeymoon life, you know there's a world where I could see that happening. I don't think it's very likely, right? Like I I I wouldn't even know what type of odds to put on something like that. But with the players in the server, the quality is there, right? Of players who who could be really really good. They just need to have like that perfect kind of honeymoon opening event, which isn't out of the realms of possibility. Right, but what what are your boys' expectations of of Cloud Nine and Valentine? Like I know it's so hard Cologne. to measure. Well, yeah, because we're measuring nothing. We're li- we're 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 just essentially looking at this, weighing it up. Like, there's no language as a problem here, right? So naming of things and stuff like that is going to be very similar. Like, I'm looking at all the pros. Yanko pointing out maybe a couple of issues with overlaps in positions, but um, I s- just think with the classmen and the caliber of these players, they they should be able to work something out where I, everybody feels comfortable. I don't think young team. I don't think anything that happens is going to be like red flag disaster. Start start the start the alarms uh, for me at Cologne. Um, but my expectation is to I, I think them making playoffs would be like a really good first step. In my mind, okay. I don't. Okay. I don't even like. I don't think they can bomb out of Cologne and me be like, okay, this is it's a nightmare. Like this is actually the wrong the wrong. Like there's nothing that can happen that would make me say this was this was a bad change. You know. Okay. All right, so you're you're very. I guess, but I'm, I suppose I'm, that's fine. I'm taking yeah, a, I'm taking a very forgiving angle to a bunch of these roster changes for the first like two to three events. Like you know, like Liquid's playing really well in Blast. They have a couple big wins, but I'm like, okay, cool. But let's also wait until Cologne when teams actually have something to research into them and people get used to Yakinder's calling and people getting used to the players or the plays that these guys like to make. Like it's going to take I think two events, two to three events, to really solidify an opinion on some of these new rosters. But this is this is the issue, though, isn't it? Though, like what we just spoke about was we're measuring teams right now at blast at an event where fifty percent of the field qualifies for the arena, right? And the reason I point that out is not because I'm just trying to be a dick here; is the sense that it is very low stakes, right? And there's a lot of matches that they get to play through, and uh, in some uh, scenarios, they even get rematches, right? Within within this format. Now, you know, it's great to get to see the new rosters. It's great to get them see them warm into things. But with what they're putting on display here, we know some of the teams are using this as the practice to really start the season. So what you're seeing is very raw. And then we're going to have Cologne immediately around the corner here. So then they're going to have to perform, but they're going to just basically be performing off this kind of a base. They'll probably work out a couple of pocket strats. Like we're going to see looser CS because that's essentially what you're seeing here out of some of the newer teams uh, at, at Blast, right? They, they're... They're not as well oiled. They're not as well drilled. So they need to trust in their players more to make the right decisions in in the right environments. Bro, we right. Just, so, I I mean, it's just like it is kind of ridiculous that half of the interviews from teams, half the teams are like, "Well, yeah, we had a longer break, and we're just using this event as a boot camp." <laughs> like, so then when I see whatever happens, I'm like, "Well." You yeah, know. what do we say about it? How do we measure the results? But the, so here's hard. the thing. It's hard, but it's like, it goes, every team will look at it from a way, from a perspective that suits them, right? Sure, so sure. Liquid, sure, they're going to be very happy with the wins, but they're also going to, you know, a little bit be, okay, you know, it's still the first event. We still have things to work on. Like, obviously, there's mistakes happening, you know, but you're feeling good, right? At the end of the day, a win is a win, right? But these other teams are going to be like, I don't know, the phase might be, all right, well, I mean, we're just a little bit rusty, you know, unexpectedly. We, yeah, we're putting some more we hours for Cologne. Coach as well, like we'll get better yeah. as this thing progresses. We have seven more opportunities in this tournament to qualify. It's like it's not the end of the world. 
right? Like, so also, you know, then you go to G2, and yeah, we didn't change anyone, but again, also maybe longer break, right? Not too influenced by the, the results of some games. You know, obviously, you don't want some shit things to happen, but you can also say, ah, yes, well, that first game, that was our first official, you know, as well, that they lost to to liquid right which turned out to be playing pretty well so i think you can go down the line with teams and be like you know nip you know lost to compassion but hampus is uh, getting used to in-game leading again and now they're playing again and they're they're you know winning on their own map pick uh by a large margin and so on so you know it, it, it just for every team is different and then obviously vitality is going to be like oh yeah you know like we're we're smashing everyone or like you know the boot camp without pcs worked wonders um and 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 whatnot but in in reality you know we'll have to wait at least until cologne i think that's going to be a much better sort of gauge for where all these teams are vitality beat complexity and they smashed EG. Them. I mean, they smashed EG and complexity. Like, you know, yeah. let, let me see them play at least heroic. You know, well, that's unreasonable. But is, at least heroic. So but, to, you know, like something like that. Measure, see, right? Okay, if they end up 2 owing a team like that as well, like this dominantly, yeah, then holy sick, shit. Yeah. Okay, they're actually like really fucking sick. But, you know, for, for a team like theirs, and yeah, they have flames, right, with the new additions. So you're like, you know, you're feeling good like with the new player you're adding like the change you know you don't feel too down on yourself for replacing dupree and whatnot but i think just that's the the issue is like really you can't take almost anything away from this tournament unless something drastic happens like i don't know let's say vitality does meet i don't know heroic and they 2-0 them 16-5 16-6 well then the takeaway from this tournament for vitality is they're feeling really fucking good. And they're going to be really confident coming into Cologne, which regardless of their level is going to make them better. Right? Like, And if you yep. see, what you will see is probably FaZe, G2, limp their way into like the top six somehow by beating like an NIP or a complexity. And you're like, well, all right. <laughs> you know, like you, you got the job done, but it wasn't anything like, you know, uh, in- incredibly impressive like you did what you were supposed to do and and that's it that's cool and then for all these teams that have lost you're going to be like well they've showed some good maps here and there they they, they put up a good fight not enough but you know they they, they can build on that and, and be better in cologne right <laughs> that's just it there's really not much to build on here in terms of storylines and what you can also learn about the teams is okay, you look at who plays which position, right, for some of these new teams. And then look at the roles and how it's, you know, like, let's say a lot of people were curious how Liquid was going to do things, even though it's, like, really obvious (laughs) sort of how their setup is going to to look like, but more so to see it in action and see that one-two punch of Yekinder and Patsy, how it's going to unfold. I like seeing Naf more active as well. I I, I actually have enjoyed that. Like, I know he's still anchoring, but he's anchoring in some of the more active positions. It's good to see him get involved. Like, he gets to show his depth as a player because Naf seems like the guy who's going to do whatever is necessary for the team. Right, I know that he's in a very he's he very is. good in that the anchoring role and position, but I think he can he can do a lot. 
Yeah, so I, I think that's really exciting to see more out of NAF. And when you consider that NAF has been like the best slash most consistent player for Liquid for like the past year, it's it's cool to see someone performing that well put in a position to have more impact. So some of these some of these changes for Liquid have actually like worked out to like get NAF more involved. Like I noticed on Inferno, like Rainwaker was taking over his normals like a hulls position. So NAF is able to be more mobile and more involved in a lot of the plays across the map as part of the pack, um, which is really cool um so yeah i think that that's that's opened up uh, some opportunities there there for him they've Ra- rainwake has looked pretty good yeah he's looked well. solid like he's done he's done what has been required of him here and it's it's looked pretty comfy like there hasn't been any real glaring drama and that was kind of the know, selling point of- as him as a pickup was like you know when they talked to when i talked to the uh, yakinder and daps in dallas it was like kind of like look he he plays you know pretty low mistake counter strike he doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes and and he delivers in in all the positions that he's put in so not brought in to like light up the scoreboard and take over the game i think probably the most promising thing for for liquid is that oc's looked good oh yeah he hasn't looked like he's been afraid to take fights like he's taken some quiet audacious little biffs and battles and, yeah. and hit some good shots so yeah uh all in all like again like this is this is the thing the way that the team could work is great the questions are like how was it when but when you see it happening you see patsy playing close mid on ancient and yakinda controlling cave you're like perfect those are the two type of players that i would love to have in both like in those positions that's fantastic like you know you just look at some of this ancient was one that stuck out for me I'm like, yeah, this is cool but it's like okay the questions that we have about liquid right uh are these players like Rainwaker and Patsy going to be able to to get some good performances in? Well, Patsy's you know he's, he's done pretty good, and uh, Rainwaker we've just said yeah on on debut for the team, pretty decent as well. Now it's about like as the game gets more refined by all these teams, and we look at like the more refined elite level Counter Strike as the season goes on, how are Liquid going to be able to hang with the in-game leading situation? Right, like how is that going to look when things get a little bit more stressy? Is your kinder still going to be able to deliver? Does he still have to deliver? Right, is there enough firepower on the team without him like popping off all the time? So, um, Liquid's questions are also going to come in the future here. But it's good to look at what's working in the now, I suppose, and hope that you can extrapolate. Like if you need consistency in those those areas, and if you can get that consistency, then I guess you can see them go on to be a good team. But they're essentially. Well, this isn't from scratch, even though they changed two players. So, like, how much further ahead of a Navi would you imagine? And, like, they, they already have their base. They're just kind of educating Patsy and Rainwaker on how they want to approach the game here and probably intermingling a bit. You think it helps the fact that Yukinda can just talk to Patsy in Russian? You think it's helping him cut a couple corners? Oh, massively. Definitely. And I think and I think when you consider that that crazy graph that uh, I forget who put it out, it might have been even Nero again as well, like Patsy and Yakinder were the most aggressive players we've had and that Naf and Rainwake are the most passive players that we have in the pro scene as well. So I think on a certain level like Patsy and Yakinder are going to be on the same page like, you know, pretty pretty quickly, pretty easily in terms of philosophy, in terms of decision making in different scenarios. But also what you said, Chad, it's not like the, the you know people always say the same with honeymoons it's like people have it but it's not then that you see it's like the first time you run into problems and start losing right like yeah. is when a team gets tested so liquid isn't really that tested yet and i don't know what's the opposite of honeymoon but that's the phase which navi is going through right now it feels like um actually I don't, I don't not really i think it's like a little bit too harsh you know they did they ended up they beat astralis in the first game and then they lost to Hero. who did they lose to in their second game, Navi. Yes, I think it was heroic. 
Yeah, they got beaten up by Heroic. Yeah, yeah, it's like you didn't, you know, it's not like you ended up losing to I don't know who. <laughs> you lost and to... also the best team in the world. Yeah, the best team in the world. So I, I, I think we'll still, you know, wait and see how things uh, go for them. It's too too early to tell i'm not i'm not even you know i'm not even using the term well i i'm not even really thinking of these moments as like honeymoons for these new teams like there's been such drastic changes that i'm not even like willing to term it a honeymoon i think the biggest advantage they're getting right now isn't anything based off like the honeymoon effect i think it's the fact that nobody knows anything about like these teams that have changed two to three players like teams that have changed in-game leader you don't know the rhythm they're going to play with you don't know what kind of calling style it's going to be you don't know how these players are going to work together you don't know how the decisions are going to work when they're playing together like all of this is like teams going up against a blank slate which is you know pro teams don't have to do it that often and that's why i'm like waiting that's why i'm like okay cologne is going to show me like when you can look into liquids ancient when you can look in into liquids inferno and liquids mirage then let's see what how Yakinder does it when a team actually has a game plan for the kind of pacing he likes the kind of progression he likes to call the kind of moves the team makes on the map let's see when teams are prepared for it if you can find those kind of solutions around the obstacles sure, yeah exactly, exactly like that 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 is such a benefit to have at the moment as a new lineup is that nobody knows what the fuck's happening yeah, but if bitch. things are new all the time, then we never have to worry <laughs> See, about call that, them, Jason. Bitch. <laughs> if we change, Jason, if we just change rosters every like three months, then everything's new all the time, and then we never have to worry about True. getting that level. To Maybe that it's level. the new so meta. Let's just make yeah. sure. And listen, yeah. I, th- I think we also have to remember um, that esports is not a charity, especially not in Counter Strike. And I wouldn't be mad if G two at some point pulled the plug. I totally get it. I sincerely hope it never comes wow. to that point, which is why the We've current G two better start performing just somewhat decent. Yeah, it's uh, it's what it's, it's, is that what? Yeah, Yanka, what? Uh, yeah. What are you reading? Someone else just sat sat down on his PC. I think. I think what it could are you be reading, a good Yanka? copy pasta. What is it? It was a tweet. Uh, it was Jacob's tweet, but it was EG instead of G two. Oh, you haven't seen that the other day? No, I'm, I think I missed it. Why is he? Why is he? Why is he calling for the plug to be pulled on EG after <laughs> two games? Yeah, that's what that was the, the <laughs> most like. The replies he got were all like that. It's like, why are you tweeting this? Like now that it was, the, they were playing the second series and just lost map one or something. I think or or map one just started and they were against NIP, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. They had a close series too. They lost two maps in overtime, I think. Yeah, they? the first map, the their pick of Inferno was like a double OT game. Yeah, they lost they, like they, a they didn't let five three in the end. Like they could have closed it out or something. They fucked up some round, but. I, you know what? I just it just flicked into my head just quickly just before I forget. <laughs> Navi's still banning Vertigo first phase, and or at least from, from what God we've bless seen. Them. And and what do you think Cloud9 are going to play or ban? So the Navi guys didn't play Vertigo, and the Cloud9 guys didn't play Nuke. So that is weird when you come from like a perma ban and and it's like these other teams it was their best map. I mean, you'd ban you'd ooh, you'd ban. Ooh. Right. I mean, for me, so it's just ludicrous that a team doesn't play, play Nuke so. because it's the best map. Like, it's, I mean, I think it's, it's just, could be good I, I think that, it's also, of course, the, I think they would be very good at the map. It's, it's also like you have so many options on T side, which is like what you want to have, you know, on a map. You don't want to feel cornered that if you don't have all your utility and all this stuff that you can't like do anything, right? Like, so, it's funny that Nuke's taken that swing now where there's so many options on the T side where historically Nuke was like 
Oh, what can you yeah, do? It was shut down. <laughs> yeah. But that's because Secret used to be behind Garage. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, back in our day, Jason, it, there was a catwalk that, well, ran outside. You just get owned trying to cross even just to T-Red. Yeah. Even that was used to be hard back in the day. So, you know, we, we've had a couple of couple of little changes to make her a bit easier. Wasn't that Volcano who moved Secret? Yes. Yeah. Big change. Good yeah. job, Volcano. Oh, bless. That, was, that was massive. Was Not safe. so secret you anymore, is safe. it? I would like the reintroduction of the doors, though. Maybe in the new iteration that they they do of Nuke at some point, they can put in like the big the big slidey, the sliding see through doors for the yeah, spamming. Yeah, the because yeah, well, this is the thing. So before, I guess the way that it was framed was it was a nuclear power plant, right? But or there was nukes there, so they had these massive like blast doors. Yeah, right. So that was so we need blast doors back. I don't want these little fucking flimsy these yellow rinky dinky doors you can break open. Yeah, so I, I want I want some blast doors. I yeah, want, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, but I guess you couldn't blow them up with a grenade, though, could you? That would probably be a little. You could block bit them off with the smoke, still, though. We would. I saw on Reddit like the other day. Maybe this was a week ago. Maybe it was even fucking five weeks ago. Now who knows? It all blends into one. But uh, uh, they were talking about, oh yeah, who who remembers this spot on Nuke? And they were showing lower site where there used to be like um, that whole room. You know, when you're coming down from ramp. Uh, where the like Astralis plant is now, there used to be that door and that whole room in there. Like I know it got me reminiscing about like maps and how oh, things have yeah. changed like so much over the years. Like Nuke has Nuke's changed drastically. You bring that up, it's changed like so many different iterations of, of Nuke that we had yep. at one point there where they were trying to find the secret source. And well, now like we're saying it's so good, so that's crazy. Yeah, everyone's wanted everyone's wanted to find a way to make it like less CT sided, and it just took so many changes to actually make it happen. To finally just took find seventeen right different variations yeah. of smoke walls, yard, and vent uh, Molly smoke combos to stop rotation. Why can't we? Why can't we give? Why can't we give Train that kind of love? Let's let's give uh, let's give Train seventeen chances to figure it out. Well, tr- the thing with train, right? So old train, obviously the 1.6 and source train, the bomb train used to be... Further well, back. For those people, it would be, be old bomb. But as you're exiting CT spawn going yard, not through connector, it would be immediately that train carriage on the left and it used to be a flatbed train. Yep. Um, in source, it was like this big, ugly... I guess it was like a... Maybe it held oil or something. I don't know what it... But it's, you know, some big container. Um, but that's where the bomb train used to be. So it used to play like a much it, it, it was interesting right like there was early, a whole point in 1.6 where it became T-sided when the Polish guys became real good at getting out T-mid and then early CSGO you could even like plant at that single yellow barrel outside and oh, the yeah, bomb train yeah, was yeah, like yeah, right yeah. in the middle of everything with like the two yeah. oil things popping up so they yeah. even changed that we can't figure it yeah. out no but that's the thing like when you have inner bomb site the way the inner bomb site is like I think it's always going to be quite a difficult map to work out and it's it's to do with like the long ranges and stuff even with all the different smoke walls and and whatnot there's yeah i don't know a lot of people were talking about wanting like something like cash back um i've had people ask me that question before i, I feel like maps like dust 2 and cash maybe are too simple like Dude, i think i actually think cash i don't know about this current iteration but if i go back to the old iteration i actually think cash could be a lot of fun with the current play style and meta I think it'd be really hard for CT sites, but I think it'd be a lot of fun to watch. Well, if U2 was much better and punishing positions a lot more from the T sides, like that's one thing that's really been tightened up in the modern era of Counter-Strike, right? Like how well the T's can use their U2 to either make sure a spot's clear or condition you not to play a position. So like it'd be interesting to see that refined. I think you would... And, and even what positions uh, you could abuse. I think also you would see a lot better utility usage from the CTs, like for the retakes. Remember how we had a couple of those... 
old school B retakes, right? Like um, you know, just have an op playing CT, and then after that you read like you use the mollies, the smokes, and everything. Those were like chaotic, um, really at times, but fun. I don't know. I always liked Cash Man because it always felt like even back then you know as, as as noobs like there's there's always like give and take you always have options to see okay mid is hard to hold but if you lose it you can push a main or be more aggressive towards b in the beginning right like the, the there's different things that you could do which is always so weird to me i know msl for example hates the map and he, and he felt the opposite that there's nothing you can do a ct which is like yeah how how can this be your you know like sort of approach like that's weird that's like i just didn't feel like that was true so yeah i think it would be fun to see it i've also i'd really like to see a to a smaller thing even like the maybe the thing you did chat like the some of those like whatever however you call it streamer uh, tournaments essentially yeah like to do mr12 and see how it would work but uh the problem is like i, I would change the the loss bonus after you lose the pistol to be like maybe 2400 okay so you have a pretty strong second round yeah either strong second round or a decent like first buy round so that the pistols don't really impact the score that you know as much as as they you know they they would impact it a lot more if it stayed the same in an mr yeah that was always the biggest with mr12 you win both pistols and convert and all of a sudden you're halfway to a win yeah, I, I, the the bigger concept that you're kind of bringing in here, Yanko, is something that I feel is a little bit of a shame that we don't have it as much as we once used to. Was there was always different tournaments? Now I know that there's like fun tournaments on like Facer and stuff, but when when Counter Strike was a bit more regional, and maybe this is maybe one reason to get me to help the North American train here, when we had things like Sevo and Cal and CPL and everything like that, there was different tournaments that had different maps. So you wouldn't, like in the best tournaments, they didn't necessarily have some of these funky maps. Um, but in, uh, you know, in, in a few a year, you had some, like Season, I remember having to learn Season in Source and that was a map that we'd uh. have to play. In the, well, you know, I know it's not for everybody, but at least there was a testing ground to see if things worked or if they, you know, whereas now... We, we rarely, rarely get those type of things. And when we do, when they come in, they're not treated with disrespect, but the tournaments when stuff isn't quote unquote like Valve official and how it's going to be in the way that the, the game is competitive, um, you know, things aren't, aren't taken with the same level of seri seriousness, which is fine. So you, you still don't even really get... Um... <laughs> oh, all right. Oh, someone's doing a burnout. What's yeah, going on there? Yeah, that, was a bit, that was a bit intense. That's aggressive. Jason, this is where you as a, as a new father need to go run out on the front and take a picture of their license plate and shake your fist and go, yeah, I don't know what you're going to say, but you know, you, 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 I'll give you creative license there. Yeah, this, that happens frequently, the little, the little burnout. We have like a little, uh, the road is, is uh, relatively straight for quite some time and okay. not a whole lot of police presence. Okay. Uh, so you have you considered starting a neighborhood neighborhood watch? I haven't. Uh, I've yeah, I have no desire to do that. You know. Do you know any of your neighbors? I do. I know most of my neighbors. Do Do any of them seem like they would be interested in starting a neighborhood watch? Uh, you know, I live the, my neighborhood's a little bit older, so I don't think anyone really wants to walk. We have a tiny well, then neighborhood, they, but they definitely really don't like the everything. burnouts. Then Jason, no, they, probably they not. Are, so well, so one of my neighbors is a former uh, prosecutor. 
um, for the, for <laughs> okay. the judicial system. And my <laughs> other neighbor is a high-profile judge in the city. So I feel like with those well, two people... Well, where's the police presence, Jason? With those two people, my neighborhood's pretty safe. I feel like they, they've, they've got things on lockdown. Okay, well, it's contradictory here of, of what, what we've just heard. At one point, we say it happens quite often. At another point, we say not much. Uh, the burnouts happen often, not, you know, standard criminality. Yeah. And then, thirdly, everyone's, and uh, finally, everyone enjoys okay. pushing the pedal to the metal, you know? I, I'd recommend everybody when behind uh, the, you know, a steering wheel in a car that it's, it's a weapon, okay? You need to be very responsible when you're in that, other people's lives. Maybe at risk, so make sure that you know how to drive your vehicle. He's not Jason. wrong. Yeah, you know, these are these are big hunks of metal here. They can go very fast. They can. It's a remarkable piece of technology. The fact that we've been able to create such things as automobiles, and today on this episode of Talking Counter, we're going to be getting into trains, planes, and automobiles. <laughs> and automobiles. Now, uh, general, what's your favorite mode of transport, <sighs> guys? I like a train. What's going on? I like a train. What's going on? Is everyone happy? Jason, you said you're a bit sluggish. So is everything okay? Yeah, it was just uh, just an early wake up, you know? I'm very happy. I'm in a, I'm in a happy place at the moment. Um, I'm excited. To, I'm, I've been having a lot of fun watching Blast. I'm excited to get back to Cologne, but, but life is good right now. Okay. All right. You're content? Yeah, very content. <laughs> All right. You do, sound, a, you do sound happy. I've got some fruit and veggies growing. Boys, I just planted some uh, some pumpkins a while ago. I saw some broccoli. Yeah, I did broccoli. broccoli and Brussels sprouts. I got tomatoes coming up. I got peppers. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm waiting on cantaloupe and pumpkins to start showing up. You're turning into a prepper, Jason? You like that shit? I'm going to get a chicken coop next year. And then <laughs> Can I'm you get a rainwater tank? Get, uh, I have one of those. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Okay, are you trying to get off the grid? No, uh, that the the rainwater thing was there was here before I got here, uh, and I haven't really used it. It's just kind of there for a show. Oh, come on, man! But Could be using it to water yeah, trying to try to set up a little bit more of like a homestead situation, you know? Yeah, and I'm just trying to keep a couple of plants on a balcony alive. So you know, plants are hard to keep alive. I have a bunch thing. of plants indoors, and half of them are dying. I'm, I'm not doing a great job with those. I'm about to go away for two weeks and have to keep these plants alive, and I, I don't know, I, they're going to all be dead, and I'm just going to... you got to do cactus, cacti. I've got a couple of cacti, yeah, I bought, I bought some of those, but, um, you know, they're, they're not the sole greenery in the house. There's other plants, which I know are a bit more lush, are going to require some H2O, and they might just be not surviving, and that's, you know, that's the, the way it goes, you need water, and that is my reminder to you at home to drink some H two I keep I keep breaking the immer- the immersion today, bro. You're supposed to why. drink like three and a half liters of water a day. That's hard. No, that depends. That's not true. I think it, well, it, it, it it's different for every person. And if you drink well, yeah. too much water, actually, you might drown, hurt your kidneys. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm Googling it right now, and it says uh, adequate daily fluid intake is 3.7 liters a day for men. Now, obviously, Come that on, changes. Man. Almost four liters of water a day. <laughs> Come on, man. That's, what am I? That's the first Google result. You're spending like 300 euros a month on water then or something like for almost four liters of water a day. That's I'm telling insane. you, you have to really work hard to get there. Really work hard to get there. Yeah, well, I I imagine so. I can do two and a half and on a good day three. But thinking of going more, like a good day three, a good day I've gone to bed and I know I'm going to be, you know, waking up needing to piss. So 
it's I guess it's 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 going to come down to the amount of output that you're doing. You know, how active are you? Are you getting? When I went out, uh, I went out yesterday to go for a little bit of a swim. You know, and it's it's hot. It's like fucking 37, 38 degrees type of hot. So I go early in the morning, but it's still already 32, 33. So you're sweating buckets. So you, I'm drinking a bit more water on a day like that. You know, yeah. And if you're not, you're feeling it. You get a bit of a headache. A few more gym sessions throughout the day, and and yeah, you're going to be drinking some water as well. Oh, you just saw this tweet, Yanko? Yeah, that's hilarious. Actually, I won't. Yeah, he's a bit of a jokester. Yeah, JL, just the, for for you guys, the tweet is like he posted the. The roster page from HLTV and like so proud of us number 30 in the world only a few weeks together and we're already conquering the world yeah it's fucking wild like, it's I think, that's, uh, that's the, that, that should be the attitude simple you know yeah. at least JL's bring it to the table here Matt yeah. you know he's he's shown to be a good personality which I think is cool I hope that Emma can um, get some good performances under his belt for his confidence here because he's had a bit of a rough go of things in the first few matches they've had uh, which I guess is the hardest thing, right? You go from like a uh, almost major level MVP to an event like this with a brand new team and high expectations and someone who's getting a bit upset with how things are going. Yeah, it's going it's to be uh, I mean, yeah, that's, uphill battle. That's the risk that Navi took, right? Like, was this a flash in the pan or is this actually going to be able to uh, to continue? Yeah, and I imagine like, you know, it's going to be a couple of events before he starts to, to feel comfortable here. And um, that's where it's it's the jury will be out for a decent period of time um and with the string of events that we have coming i guess it's it's going to be it's going to be hard to tell if, if if teams are really unhappy early how i guess it would have to be going catastrophically bad you'd have to be losing everything like the first couple of events just dead last to everything to have like one of these not nah, fuck it like we're changing type things so i highly doubt we'll see too much of that but i also think we're not going to see consistency and results like this is another thing. Like right now, the two best teams in the world are Vitality and Heroic, right? Like that's that's the status quo. Then after that, like we don't know how good Cloud9 is going to be. Um, so we can't really put a marker on them. But our expectations is they should be quite good and in, the, and in the upper echelon conversation. So then after the likes of Heroic and Vitality, well, then we're looking at, even though I know that FaZe uh, and G2 had those losses to to Liquid. You're looking at your Enters, your G2s, and your Phase, who are your next rung of teams, right? And then after that, everybody else is pretty much unsorted. So the results that we're going to have coming up, it's so hard to pin who's even going to win. Like it, it's, it, 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 we're still in the same position we were before the major, do, right? Do we know who's playing for Gamer Legion? No, it, that's the other thing. It, it hasn't been to be announced yet. Cypher, no, Cypher goes to TSM. Right. It must be known because I'm pretty sure the deadline for rosters yeah. for thing is already in. Well, what? Where's your inside information, man? I don't know, but we <laughs> we don't. I I really don't know because they're also I, like they're, would be they're nice. in the you know they're in the in the groups of top Cologne, eight. not in the yeah. play-in, right? Like they're in that oh, top sixteen. Yeah, so this is going to be interesting to see. I think also, man. <laughs> Wait. Well, they they have three players on their roster on HLTV, and they yeah, gained well, a spot in the world rankings. Yeah, because other teams, you know, fucking change more. It's pretty funny, right? Yeah. But uh, and also, I want to start putting more spotlight on ends. And it's like this is also a moment Easy where you can step ends, up, ends, right? Ends. Like we yeah. seeing that things are shaky for G two and Phase. This is where you can like really establish yourself in the top three behind Heroic and vitality potentially right and like take that next step they managed to to win in dallas obviously a big moment for them played great cs that was pretty much it for their season uh without playing the the fall finals but 
yeah, they have plenty of time. You know, they had an extended break thanks to that. I know they boot camped already. Uh, probably some more days of online practice before they go into Cologne. So I want to see how they perform uh, to to show us that it wasn't just a one-off uh, in in Dallas. I'm also again curious to see how. VP will look now with Mir. Mir's been off oh, yeah, the radar for a little one, bit. He's yeah. coming in for kicker. So I guess it's like Flit, James, Fame, Norbert. Mir, and Norbert, which is... Yeah, so funny considering the circumstances, right? That Norbert ends up staying around I think after the, the whole Norbert-Chiron yeah. situation and then Norbert coming back. And, yeah. and also... It is, it is curious. It, it's it's uh, pertinent to the discussion we've had about bringing in younger players versus veteran players. Like, Mir is a veteran player. He's 27, I think. Really? That old? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I have no track. interest in Virtus Pro. Yeah, he's 27. <laughs> I have zero interest. Hey, wow, Jason, thank you for, like, fucking... I was... You know, trying to I mean, make a point here, but uh, <laughs> no, it's a good, it's a good point. It's a fair point. I'm just saying, for me, I'm, I'm just, just saying, like, fuck Virtus Pro. <laughs> I, I, I really don't care to see this team play. I'm, I'm so over it. I'm so done wow. with the play style that James. What are you going to do when they're lifting trophies, Jason? You're going to talk about. You're going to suck it, Jason. That's they're not going to lift a single trophy for the rest of the year. What percentage would you put on that? Ninety. Would you bring back the cream pies? <laughs> Ooh. Uh, who's who's on the other end of the cream pie if I, I don't win? Know. It just feels like you're so. Uh, that's an, that's an important. This, that. That's an important part of the equation. I'm not going to bring back the cream pies just for any old scrub. You know, it needs to be a it needs to be a big target. Well, who do you want to get all uh, creamy? Uh, let's see. Megan well, Fox got, is not Yanko's got some uh, revenge factor. Oh, but Yanko gets another swing at the king if he wins, and I would, you know. Then you have a child now. You need to think about Jason. (laughs) And what what level trophy are we talking about here, Jason? What if they go and they win uh, another ESO challenger event in Katowice? Yeah, calm down. We are. We know we're not counting that that one. Okay, so you want? It's got to be like it's got like a it's got to be like a it's got to be like an IEM event or like a like a blast finals. Okay, so almost impossible for them. Well, not almost impossible. They. Actually, I don't even know. This team won the major less than a year ago. Why are you saying it's impossible? They are. Because I don't know if they're allowed to play in the blast qualifiers, are they? Did did that change? I mean, they were allowed to play under the VP banner in Paris, so I imagine... Yeah, I thought there was something. Maybe, maybe it's been rectified, but there probably was like, a lot of back, a lot of backpedaling going on these days when it comes to all that stuff. So, yeah, <sighs> it is what it is. That's. Uh, the, the motto for life these days, you know? So you, you hear a lot of that. You hear an awful lot. As I look at this blast screen, just fly through overpass, I looked at every... They're going to have to re-update all of these cam paths. Yeah. Someone's going to have to go in and redo all this. Yeah, you, know, you know, actually, like, when you said if you were watching the game, I had it on the second stream, and I actually got tilt during that, like, 30-second period. Why? Because the score is 3-0, Chad right yeah. for complexity they want the pistol they convert it i glanced towards the screen when you said that it's like one minute on the clock like 56 seconds um and i see two guys pushing ramp just as like the a anchor brolin as t is leaving it right like nip is grouping for a b split and complexity just pushed at the perfect timing for impo floppy is flanking there's already guys leaning over towards b they have everything and then all they need to do is just like buy a little bit of time for floppy, and then the two guys on B die without killing anyone. Elise jumps through the window, gets two kills, then dies, and then even like 
grim i don't think he maybe got like one kill or something he was there pretty quickly so it's like as a coach you're watching this and like yes we, we did the correct things and then just like you just needed to stay alive for a couple more seconds and you could tell that probably they were a little bit confused to be in that situation because it didn't seem like it was a proper setup that the two guys on b had it was just like because they didn't have cat control right so i guess on one side if you're a complexity fan it's really tilting but on the nip side of things it's nice to see like even though your your opponents know you're coming because you got map control and you're splitting the site and you use your utility well they're still able to to win the round but it went out to it went to be i think yeah first half was 10-5 for nip they won like eight rounds in a row after yeah, but that was nip's map choice so after that round so it's like if complexity could have won this round which they were in position to do it. It could have been four, five, zero, right? Like, and maybe a different game. And then in the second half, they lose pistol, thirteen five down. Then they're thirteen eight, and they lose to a half by because they didn't clear like um, the side properly, and that's where they ended up losing the game. Oh, and I, oh. yeah, I know what you're saying, right? Like, I think I think some of the things, right? Like um, with these matches, and we watch when you. Oh, look at Hampus here. He's having a great time. Uh, uh, pissed around overpass. Uh, guys, if you're going to be sinking here on the, uh, the, the watch companion. Uh, no, but uh, some, of, some, of these, some of these games, right, really can be, and this, it also goes the other way as far as comebacks go as well, can be decided by these key rounds. And I know that um, we joked about this a while ago, like when Hooksy was casting and we were talking about the economy stuff. I know that you brought it up before here, Yanko, about, you know, me bitching and moaning that people say that's all I talk about. But really, like a lot of, counter-strike most of counter-strike is dictated by what you're able to buy in a round and then what type of openings that you're able to present or like what type of weaponry you have for certain fights right like it all can boil down and be uh rooted back in a lot of that and you look at these these games like it's a 10-5 half in a match and you flip over you win the pistol round or you lose the pistol right you win the force you win their force back you win the eco you win the first gun round it's like well we're fucking back in it like counter-strike games like it it can happen in the blink of an eye and that's why i think like even if a match is starting six or seven zero, it could still be a really close half. And I notice when you play, you can get mega complacent. And yeah, it, that's the thing I guess that these teams need to make sure that you just keep like the the foot on the gas. But it's so much, so much harder when the other team actually knows how to hit back. You have to, to. You have to remember that just because everything, it's like what's the, what's the actual like phrasing for that? Past results are not guaranteed of future outcome something like that right like where it's just because everything's going swimmingly now and you're rolling them and you're 8-0 up doesn't mean that that necessarily will continue in the same fashion or even continue at all for the remaining like seven rounds of the half right like you you need to treat each round as its own in a sense of not getting complacent right and not letting that lead sort of slip through your fingers or letting the other team get back into the game emotionally as well as result-wise, right? And you, I, see that, you see that you talk about getting back in the game. Did you see that Carrigan ninja defuse the other day? Oh, <laughs> yeah. my lord. Yeah. Yeah, and then they almost got back in the game and then lost 16-14 that lost, right they, they there. Were, they, they, had a, they lost a 3v5. 3v3, yes. Yeah, it's like, yeah, 5v3. Oh. <laughs> Even Naf like, in the post-game interview is like, yep, that was almost a, a, real, a real liquid match right there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like the cat like this is the thing we're uh, we're talking about like a lot of these teams and and like early expectations and also being like well it's hard to to grade them harshly on this or each team has a different set of expectations or way to way to frame the results that are going to happen here 
But the thing is, that that for me, I I think is is great, and that's a similar way that I'm looking at it. Like I kind of set different goalposts for everybody. But the thing that has been true with it, some of these games, I wouldn't say all of them. That would be impossible. But there's been some entertaining Counter Strike. Like it's been some fun moments, you know, yeah. some some good multi kills, or and that's that's essentially what you're looking for here. And that's one of the the more forgiving. Um, areas of of this format right like it's teams this is the thing like if if you have teams that are going to deliver fun exciting high skill matches right that's that's great news it's just when you get some of these like blowouts and matches that aren't entertaining and that's difficult to maintain across this this field as we've seen with um you know certain partner teams not being competitive for the entire existence now so um i I don't know i've enjoyed i've enjoyed watching it's good to get the counter-strike back on the telly and it's good to you know be able to flick it on two games a day, very manageable watching amount as well. I would yeah. say not the multiple schedule's streams. Been, been nice. There's been a couple like three game days, hasn't there? But it's mostly just two bo threes, bro. I just I think it's gonna get a bit old with rematches and seeing the same team play like yeah. six times. But yeah, I just really hope the blast changes the format for next season. Like it feels like such a waste. Um, of like some of the days and the games and I don't know like I saw like EG plays on Saturday next against the loser of phase G2 and their last game that they played was uh, 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 was it on Sunday that they played and lost the game like, let me see let me find this it's, it's, it's like, usually like one or two day break right between the matches here and sure like I understand that they lost you know the game so they played on the 15th that's a saturday so it's gonna be a yeah, today's week. the 18th it's gonna be a week for them between two games where they're like yeah, they get plenty of in time copenhagen practice, it's like why how is this your how is this a format like i, I but this I is just what we're talking like, about with so, the boot camp so many, though yanko yeah i understand and that's why you see it makes sense but it sucks like for the competitive side of things because you're like well yeah, we you are know, losing like, out here. It, it's if like, it was more open, we could you see You can't more obviously teams. on the broadcast, you can't openly say, well, we know teams are, you know, using this tournament as practice. But why would anyone watch it then? <laughs> you know, like obviously you want to attract viewers and all of that stuff. But it's just like, it, I feel like with minor changes, it can be so much better, right? Like with the same amount of days and like, for one, I feel they should probably like, I think you definitely need to make well, I don't think you can because you need money, but the world final needs to be the biggest event, not the fall final. <laughs> it's just silly, right? So make the world final the, the Royal Arena event and expand it to 16 teams, right? Like, yeah. and, and make it so that, sure, the teams from your circuit, whatever, but you get also, you have more opportunities for the really good teams to qualify and be there because I like that event because of the crowd and the arena it's really cool and the stage it's like everything's really nice but at the end of the day it's like eight teams there out of which six come from the 12 that are your partner teams which you know you're hoping that the best teams will make it through that side of things and you won't have like og somehow always there right because they've accrued like a, a big number of points or whatever so i feel like you need to do that like i mean ideally you would do that but even if let's say they can't because of well, I think you can because of the money, because you just say to whoever you're selling it to Abu Dhabi or like, hey, we need you to pay for 16 teams instead of eight teams. Like we're changing the circuit. And then also fucking let either either find four more partner teams, like and make it 16 teams or just uh, make it so that you can invite four more teams to your like 
group stage games or or whatever or hold a close qualifier like something like online for two days right like it's so much easier to make formats with 16 teams <laughs> you don't have to do these mental gymnastics that they have with this format and like people you know switching groups knockout phases triple elimination all that bullshit like just make it fucking vanilla you know make it like a the gsl best of three four groups of or whatever like you, you know and and let teams play it and then you can spice it up with like seeding and then teams pick who they want in their group like or whatever like you can find well, they a different can even way give to, the perception. to make it interesting they can even give the perception of it being more open yanka because they can just say well instead of having like a qualifier like what you're talking about with the group stage thing have four more teams so it's 16 teams for the group and then you can have more sensible group stage scenarios right um but also, you can just make it so that you can just say, oh, it's the top four best teams in the world who aren't our partner teams. And yeah. then you get the best four other teams in the world. Like, yeah, exactly. That's great for them. Yes. Right? Like, it's more eyeballs. And they just like, and you just flat out going, yeah, we invite the four best other teams. And that's, that's fucking awesome. That's, that's going to help. Uh, you know, th- uh, fill those the teams don't get revenue or anything, but they get to no. compete and they get to win the prize money, right? As well as these other teams, and they will help the partner teams too because it will attract more viewers. If you could have here like Ants Cloud Nine and I don't know who else. It's a bit early for my first shot of Jameson, gentlemen, with this format discussion. I think I think you're you're all I think these are all right, but I think the, the more the more important thing with Blast format is like it's just like I think it's time to do away with this like fantasy land where this where their their circuit is like a complete continuous season, you know, like we do these splits, but the, the because it's already not. So, yeah, well, the events are already so far apart that like there's no continuity between the group stage and then I think the showdown is after is right after pro league. But so then what what do you do? Right, is the group stage still a group stage or is it a standalone event? I think in two I think, weeks. I think you could very easily run a standalone event. If you're gonna if you're, if there's gonna be this much of a split between like the the group stage and the showdown and then the the world finals, like just just make them like separate events. Just go like old school esports and stop make stop trying to make it like this continuous season. And, and just say this is going to be an event that we do uh, two weeks, okay, sixteen so teams, like a Cologne type situation, and then and then your showdown is a separate event in itself, and you find a new way to get teams qualified to what are your marquee events, which are the spring finals and the fall finals. But th- this is the thing we know, right? We understand that doing these big arena events is, is really costly, and essentially in a year, Blast do three arena events now, right? Like they did Washington, uh, they are going to do Copenhagen, Copenhagen and then, then at Abu the Dhabi. end of the year, okay. So two of the three arenas aren't like big blockbuster arenas, right? So they have their one big one, which is in Copenhagen, and the other two are, are sizably smaller, but they still have those end up with with the crowd. Right, so in a year, those three crowd events of different sizes, the two group stage events that they're doing, like they're two weeks. Let's say it's not a group stage; it's a standalone tournament with sixteen teams. They're broken up into four groups, like we're talking about here, and then you just run that tournament out. Like, is there need for that tournament to be an arena event, or can it just be a studio event? Because we know that cost. No. Right now, well, they're just running a studio event, so the cost is 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 obviously lower, right? Here's the problem: it's like it doesn't have to be the Royal Arena. I mean, that's a bad example, but it doesn't have to be a massive arena in like I don't know where, right? You want a smaller hall, yeah? Like just a bit, do, but yeah, like, we've spoken example, about this a lot. But like it was, I guess, in Washington. DC, or something DC like that. was DC was awesome. Yeah, or Dallas as well. Like Dallas is even like fairly big, I guess. I don't know at least it feels like that way when you're inside. Uh, of, of, of the center but it's like just do what you originally wanted to do which is like stops and you're like F1 but you go to cities 
that are that don't have events come to them and you pick an arena that's like three thousand people which you can most definitely fill for like the weekend you know people will come there's just that many not only counter-strike fans but esports fans who will like just make it a thing for them to do that weekend right like like they had madrid madrid or or lisbon um you know you find like a couple of spots like that you already you have that you you can always have one in the middle east you already have relationships there and then you just make like the royal arena the big one at the end of the year and you make it for 16 teams let's say instead of the eight teams and that's it you go in you're in and you're out it's different um you're not trying to compete with like esl on a scale of like making 24 team tournaments or 16 team tournaments and lasting two weeks it's like you shorten it which costs you less it's like you're paying a team you're paying for seven people for their rooms for seven days in a nice hotel also an extra room for their practice room the pcs all of that stuff for them to not even play at your tournament (laughs) sure yeah (laughs) but then that's the that's the partner situation coming into play right but but the thing that the thing here, Yanko, that you you're bringing up, I don't think maybe you, you know what? in this in this situation, right, with the with the way the world is right now, it wouldn't make any sense for them to move away from not using the resources they have. They're going to use that studio space, right? Something like that saves them a lot of money. Like for them to go the route you're talking about, you have to partner with these cities if you want to get like deals on the arenas or whatever, yeah. or make it your life easier to come in. And I know you mentioned some good ones. They've had some good events in in different places before, but these all come with their own their own issues whereas like if they're we the the stuff about their books was out not that long ago right and i'm not a i'm an idiot right so i'm not here to comment about like the finances but i would say they're not making money right um so like with that in mind the the, we've seen this happen before this happens to all these businesses it comes to some points like okay well we need to try and save money now like cut budgets do this do that like if anything i i wouldn't imagine them expanding and going into more arenas right like i think that would that would yeah, but further I mean, in depends what your business plan looks like and what your business plan is like that well this, this is would, the obviously thing is, it would is be it... a huge shift but it would only work like if you do get those arenas either for free or people to pitch in and then figure out a way where you can monetize like in a good whether that's more um things that you would do on site and like uh, charge people more for attendance because something that we see every time also with cologne is the the tickets that go out the fastest are the most expensive ones well yeah that's the hardcore fans that should get sold out like within a day you know so there is like demand for that sort of stuff and people are willing to pay you know, for that sort of an experience. Now, instead of, let's say, having a thousand of those tickets because you have only a thousand seats, maybe find a different venue that's smaller, but 3,000 people could get that experience I ju- and then sell it, you know, for that for, for that much money, for more money, right? Like charge it more and, and see if people will pay, let's say, for the sake of this argument, like that people would pay that much. And all of a sudden, you have more revenue from ticket sales. Your cost is lower because it's a smaller arena, right? And you're making one step towards like something being more sustainable. Why does it have to be inside yeah, of an arena for 18,000 people, right? Like, well, what do you really, what does it really influence? Like, sure, it's the cool. spectacle, yeah, the it's, headline. It's cool to see like people, um, you know, a whole arena chanting or cheering or singing if, if you're in Brazil or wherever you are, if it's like most people from one country, right? But in reality, you look at Katowice or Cologne, right? Or Royal Arena when, when a Danish team is not playing, it's like, 
all right. It's not like I mean, it's cool. It's a big arena and, and it's filled out and it's 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 nice. You get some nice shots, but I mean, you would probably get how sick was the atmosphere in Rio during like the first two stages, and it was only like two three thousand people. Not even because it's Brazilians and it was loud, but just like even Dallas, like you can get a really good atmosphere out of like three or four or five thousand people. I mean, 5,000 is already a big number, but let's say 3,000 people, if the arena is like right and they're having a good time and they're engaged in the in the I game, think. right? Like, it's not a live sport. It's happening on a server. Like, people are sitting behind the PCs. I, I don't understand. Like, I think a lot can be done in terms of how we, we watch Counter-Strike Live. I don't yes. think we're where we want to be. I think the issue is none of the TOs who run Counter-Strike events just do Counter-Strike. And the reason they don't do that is because they don't see a way that they can make money off of just Counter-Strike. So nobody is all in on Counter-Strike. That's the problem. The only people who are all in on Counter-Strike are like people Us. who exclusively just work on, on CS. Yeah, like and I only exclusively work on CS. <laughs> Shit, right? stay around for a long but, time. But these TOs, Blast and ESL are not all in on Counter-Strike. It's not their number one priority. It's probably not even their second priority, right? The way that I look at these businesses is they run Counter-Strike events as an advertisement to the rest of the gaming world who are going to open their massive pockets and pour out money for them to run white label events, right? So Counter-Strike not being their uh, focus, right, means that some of these ideas that we're talking about, which maybe in the short term are going to come with some issues, maybe they'll have to overspend before we can see if it can be a profitable thing to do in the long run to see if there is that demand for what you're saying for the, you know, anywhere from one to 3,000 smaller audiences. We should also take a risk in the way that we display the game, you know, try and up it a little bit, make it a little bit more interactive, make it so the players are more open so we have a bit more of a head-to-head environment. Like all of these things we've spoken about requires a TO or some motherfucker with a shitload of money uh, who wants to execute some of these ideas to come on in and take a risk and see if we can change things. But nobody has the green light to do this stuff, right? Because we're just, you know, maintaining the baseline. Yeah, but in terms of what we're doing broadcast-wise for different things, like I loved what Blast did in terms of their sponsor integration for content. Like I think in some of the stuff, it's getting a little bit old now, but in the beginning when they were doing this years ago, I was glued, like, fuck, they've integrated this very well. I think ESL like uh, are doing a much better job of pushing out different diverse content to offer up uh, newer looks on things and pushing that over different social media platforms. But we're now talking about a new area and that's like the actual live consumption of Counter-Strike. And I think there is a lot that can be done there. I just, and maybe with the blow up of CS2, we get some people who are willing to take some of these chances and risk to see if they can put tournaments on to facilitate what you're saying, Yanko, because I am 100% with you. I think that we could really change the way that the game is viewed. It could change the environment and we're not just sitting there every time a 10,000 people arena only has you know half field going, oh, this is kind of average. We could actually have something which and, is high demand and, 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 rep- and something that we can replicate. And it's creating, it's stressful for so many people, like people in the company, right, in the sales team, oh, we haven't sold out, like the tickets, it's going to look half, and the t- people in production there, how are we going to show this arena without different camera shots. looking shit, right, like all these things, which is, you know, be- and, and why are we going at this arena? Well, because, you know, like it feels like it's, yeah. some of it is just, pe- people are used to doing it and, and, and uh, not really thinking about what, like how it will look and is it can we actually pull this uh, off and also i mean dude like i'm sitting here talking about uh you know blast format and the competitive or whatever I and mean, i've done like last 10 seasons of pro league but no one knows better than me like how fucking shitty it is trying to you know talk seriously about games or like sometimes talk about pro league like when when we were still doing the and when we were 
only the desk was in 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 Katowice, so you're not Kato, with the, like yeah, the yeah, players yeah. and everyone else, and you're like, and they and you're treating it like you're supposed to like the segments look exactly the same as if I'm doing Cologne, right? Yeah. Like I mean yeah, that's yeah. just ridiculous, you know, and that's why. We're doing what we're, we're doing, doing what we're doing now, and we push for it because you know we are very, very well aware, guys, that you know also like something like Pro League is not a super prestigious event. Like you get a lot of volume of games, you get a lot of teams that you don't usually see, and you know probably the one thing that makes it important is the fact that it counts towards the fucking Grand Slam, which is not to be underestimated, right? And for some teams as well, um, you know, a team like Ants made the final, right, and or the semifinal, like last semifinal which was a surprise so for some teams it's like oh they can gain some confidence by having some good result but that's why we're trying to do it like in a different way to make it more about the broadcast than just the matches because people will always come to watch a good the match good an, an yeah, important yeah. game right but how do you get people to you know even if it's like a complexity nip and you're like well I can miss this, you know, but you don't want to miss it because, you know, we'll do some cool shit. You'll get to hear more from the players or maybe a player will cast the game, like be with the casters and tell you something. It's going to be some ridiculous kids, Jason getting pied, something like that, you know, and then you're like, oh, I can, I'll actually get entertained outside of just the Counter-Strike match, right? Like I'll, I'll get other forms of entertainment through this and then they'll be hopefully more I mean, prone to, to watch. I mean, if you if you distill all that down, I mean, and, and we know this as well, most TOs are still operating under the idea of recreating like sports broadcasts from like the early 2000s. And that's just not the way content yeah, sports is. Sports broadcasts just don't go for And it's 10 not hours the way content is consumed in these in <laughs> It's actually these days. 12 hours a day with three best of three. <laughs> like it's just not. They have like a four so. or five hour stint. It's a bunch of different teams. And yep. I think it's also like, dude, it's fine. Like I just, because, you know, we just had the Wimbledon and. Um, it it got me thinking again about Jacob. the whole yeah it's fucking that. <laughs> um, but uh, about the whole thing about how long the games are because obviously in tennis also you don't know how long Jason's gonna be on his fucking ass after <laughs> no it's not so about format it, it, <laughs> he's gonna be I'm just trying to get him drunk you want you know? some milk <laughs> trying to get him drunk you can see like the, you can't hear the baby Have anymore mercy. in the background he's probably so tilted from you and himself went and screamed as his wife and child it's like I can't take this anymore both the screaming and the and the format talk but no it's like and people still watch it obviously that was the point like people come and they'll, they will sit there no matter how long it takes because it's going to be like good <laughs> most likely right so I don't think that's like a massive problem when it happens I think I'm lucky i'm i'm happy that esl finally stopped fucking doing best of five finals for im dallas you know in those tournaments just that that should be best of three best of five just keep it for cloning and katowice yeah the champ the, the championship level events and that's kind of cool though as well right too. there's that distinction to talk about that's another thing i think is interesting i i know where we're kind of have one toe in this format conversation and i'm not about to dive into more i'm talking broader right just about the concept of different formats at different tournaments too like uh, we've probably had this conversation before as well, but I would love it. Like this G8 event, it'd be great if it, the, you know they just pluck, you know, you you have a, a freeze frame, you pluck the best 16 teams in the world or whatever, you you get them all out there for a million dollars single elimination, best of three bracket, bang, go, just like a gauntlet. Right? I think uh, it's like a, like old uh, 80s and 90s fighting movies, you know, to the death, and everything is mega intense in every single match. Like you you either you either progress or you're out. Right? There's no. No, 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 no nonsense, nothing. And it'd be fun just to have different formats throughout. Like the game show one with uh, the Godby uh, fac, 
uh, situation, right? Yeah, like that the one three there. Teams have three lives. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if we necessarily need stuff like that, but like you know, things where we get to to side. Like that's Wait, why is that you know, the best format of three for gamers eight. I don't know the format. No, is. format for gamers eight is a best of three or a single elimination best of three bracket. Wait, no, that's so what I just said. It is single what, what, elimination. I, you mean double elimination? Or? Yeah, it's sixteen teams single elimination bracket. As far as I know, have they put the format out there? It's not on HLT. Yeah, I mean, Maybe it's it's, it's the only thing that makes sense. It's a four day long event with sixteen teams. Isn't it five days? Uh, yeah, five, to the 20th? 16 to the 20th, five days. Okay, so you could be broken up into groups of four. You could do some like classic GSLs, yeah, on, like old on, majors. On Wikipedia, I thought it, was, it has I thought a single it was elimination a bracket in there. Yeah, maybe, oh. that's, where, maybe that's where I got Like round one, quarterfinal, semifinals, grand final, that's it. So you could just play one game and be done. Okay, so it is, it is the cutthroat for the melee. Yeah, but that's not on HLTV, so they might just have that up as like a default thing. I don't know if that's actually true. Okay. That's, oh. But maybe that's just where I got it because I looked it up on Wikipedia the other day. Either way, right? Like, uh, the, 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 this is where, and, and I'm, I'm sorry, I want to apologize to everybody still on Game of Legion and the organization. This isn't me dunking on you. This is just you guys, the ones left in this shit situation. It's like them getting pillaged and having their in-game leader and their star player taken from the team, but still having these invites to these tournaments. It's like, it's like kicking them while they're down because they're going to go here with some replacements that it's going to be very difficult to fill the shoes of Shui and Emma, and they're going to go and probably get the shit kicked out of them by a couple of teams. And that's going to be that. And it's just going to feel fucking miserable. I mean, dude, you're not going to have me because I was like the one who, who was like talking shit about these teams at the marriage. I'm not going to go in and be like, oh, look at the game of Legion was shit all the time. I mean, <laughs> that would be super unreasonable, that, yeah. right? Like when you lose good well, players. Like, so I don't expect that, but... No, I didn't mean us kicking them while they're down. Just the fact that they're like in this situation, right? For Isaac, Kios, and Acor, they just like go have this awesome major run on this high, and then their best, like some of their best pieces from the team get taken. And now you have to go to an event where you're probably going to be understaffed and have to take on the fucking Goliaths. You know, it's it's just it's just not it's not ideal. Like you didn't do anything wrong. You did everything right. You just you played your best Counter Strike. You did what you could do, and then that that's just, that's the end of the line. You have to they have to start again now, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, yeah, sucks. And they're the the sixth best team in the world with three players right now. So cool, I guess. Um, do we want to? We've been going for over two hours, two hours twenty minutes. Really? Yeah, we have. Yeah, we've been we've been waffling on. <laughs> um, what else we got to do here? We got uh, the Counter Strike sort of watch complexity. I feel like we too. missed something. Well, we probably did. We can do... Well, oh, yeah. When we, yeah, when we I, get into Cologne... I remembered one. Oh, just yeah? quickly. Hit me. Uh, Neo coming in as coach for FaZe oh, in Cologne. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, well, that's not official, is it? Yeah. Like, he is doing it, but they haven't officially said it? No, they've officially said it. It's been announced. Yeah. Did they? Yeah. 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 And I think... Um, well, for, first of all, I you know obviously don't know what's going on with... You know, suddenly, like, the Robin thing was a little bit sudden... Um and and whatever, so that sucks for FaZe that it was a little bit out of left field because now they they've lost their analyst as well. He went to become a coach. Now they don't have a coach at, at this moment, so it's like um probably a bit roughy, but you know it's blast. So <laughs> they're just going through it. But for Neo, I think um when he was with us on FaZe, like he's obviously an incredibly you know he's a great guy very smart, uh, no CS, uh, and something that he, that was his strongest suit as a caller and when it comes to strategy and stuff was this sort of like 
deeper level strategies, like the the more complex, not complex ones, but like the sort of like double fakes, like once you get map control, right, have everything set up, like pulling people on a string a little bit, which unfortunately like worked i mean didn't work great in practice because people are just running around but like actually when when it was like crunch time in some close games right when people are playing more passive and you're actually able to get map control without too many issues those actually worked extremely well and i think he also definitely like helped us a lot in like nuke was one of our best maps and it only happened after he was on the team because that's when we really sort of understood the best way to play the map and approach so i'm trying to say is like i think he could really help face with some of that sort of uh stuff and i think i can imagine him and kerrigan will get along like well they'll get they'll get along fine i think the 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 more question mark is about just like sort of people management and like different personalities on that team and working also still with with Brocky as a younger player and some of those things that are not necessarily tightly related to Counter-Strike because another thing about Philip is he's a really nice guy <laughs> and probably yeah, I was gonna say he's a very nice. very uh, probably a little well, bit well managed too nice I saw there's one more guy who had the sort of same problem if I can call it that and that's fallen right where, where sometimes like you're you need to be more authoritative or like more yeah, yeah, outspoken yeah. right and put sort of down put your foot down exactly and just be like you know um we're just doing it like this way or i mean you don't want to have you don't want it to come to that you just want it to like so people not to question you too much or ask or or give you like too many suggestions because but you give off that impression that you're always listening to stuff and you're welcoming it so it's like a little bit your fault as well so i think just on that department to sort of be assertive right when when it comes in which is going to be hard because those guys have been along uh, together for a long time right and they they have their way of doing things and playing and practicing and they've also sure they haven't won um they won pro league and then after that it's been a while but they're also a team that's won a major won a grand slam right like they've they've had success before so it's always tricky to come into a team like that believe me <laughs> but uh yeah i think it's a it's a good call from face to give him like uh because as far as i understood from kerrigan's interview it's like a bit of a trial it's like it's not you know yeah. an immediate long-term deal so i think that's like a great sort of gamble you know to take on him and see how he will do that's what i was going to say is it's hard to have like a, a concrete opinion on this if it's just going to be for cologne if it's going to be for for long term i think there's there's differences but it's it's definitely intriguing and i mean personally i always have a little bit of like a nostalgia happiness seeing like one of the old guard kind of sticking around in some capacity in counter-strike so um yeah i think it could be cool although i, I think i find it really hard if he's got like a really challenging task ahead of him i think where you have a team like phase that that is so strong and so good but seem to be just having like i guess i would still pin it on like communication problems that they kind of alluded to in paris at the major and just like they don't really feel like they're gelling as well as they used to be and that's a that's a really difficult problem to have to solve as a coach i did tell also like it's it's absolutely underrated what robin was doing for that team and how much he helped especially when it comes to the team atmosphere and so on and remember i told you guys the, the my suggestion for for this like months ago like for face right? it was yeah. all of as like sort of an assistant coach because also he was yep. good with some strategies but probably too much for him to be like a full-on head coach 
I don't know if that still could be the case, like um, for him to still come on. I, I'd like to see it. I feel like I think maybe even they're considering, maybe they're talking to him, you know, after Neo, maybe try him out as well or something along those lines, because also he obviously has relationships with everyone on that team. I guess at, the, at, at this point, except maybe for Robs, um, and has played with people, and you know, they're they're losing a big part of that camaraderie with, with Robin leaving. So maybe getting all of uh could help in that department i mean it, it feels like too. they kind of like took that suggestion to a degree and just have a different player in the position right like this is almost it almost feels like that's exactly what neo is going to be at least for the one event in cologne unless it unless it gets extended to longer well yeah like uh, the the concept yanko was saying with olaf yeah just uh, branching out to neo right so i i suppose you can see haven't played with them and all, all of that good stuff there. I don't know. Like this stuff here, it's, it's always going to be, you guys are being coaches. To me, it's it's still like a mystery. Like I, and I'm not saying a mystery like in a bad way. Like it's just the responsibilities of a coach are never just going to be like laid out publicly for everybody to see. Where like, and, and the, the only result and the only job is going to be, you know, how the team looks and the results that they get. So it's one of these scenarios where you have an in-game leader like Carrigan as well who gets such high praise about like what he does as a leader and how he runs his team and calling and everything like that that it's also difficult for a coach in that position. Like This is what you're saying, Yanko, about Robin being like um, undervalued for what he w- w- was doing or underrated for, for what you think he was doing with the team. Like Those things are always going to be behind the fact that Carrigan is one of the best in-game leaders to ever do it, right? So there's always going to be that, um, that shadow for a coach in the team and there's always going to be that question of you know how much they're doing or is it just Carrigan? You even get that about like players who come in. You know, was Carrigan just micromanaging them around? Um, you know, especially some of these guys who came and went with those shorter, shorter stints. But you know, I think having somebody like Neo, who's extremely experienced and has been there, done it all, seen it all, um, uh, being the nicer type of guy. I, I this is the thing, right? But Phase isn't like the normal culture of where most teams are heading right now, right? Like, I feel like it's it's a lot more of it. Like even Liquid now with this decision that they had from management to move away from this North American thing. Like the, um, I don't know. I guess the playing body would have had something to say about that. But whereas I still feel FaZe is essentially still run by FaZe, like the the players. You know, whereas a lot of these other teams, I feel that maybe some of the other decisions, like for Vitality, that's the perfect example, right? Like we've heard from a lot of people on Vitality. It's like, yeah, we understand, but it was it was the team's decision more or less. I mean, is that, does that feel like a fair? Yeah, so, yeah. Do you think there are more teams that are still still like phase that are just team run, or do you think they're mainly org run now? Mainly org I run, mean, I think, and then that's a yeah. good thing. Phase is good just, and a bad phase thing, is, I guess. Phase is pretty hands off. Like I think it it gotten a little bit better in some departments, but we also had twists talking in interviews, right, or or even in our podcast actually in our episode from Dallas saying that you know, they could probably use a little bit more help, like more support staff, yeah. um, whether it's a sports psychologist or whatever, right? Like, you know, it, it gets tough being a lot on the road and obviously you're always trying to win the tournament and you, you, there are disappointments and, and whatnot. But I don't know if that will be possible. You know, FaZe seems to be in a little bit of a rough spot as well as, a, as an org, right? Uh, so... I did think maybe that would happen in the break. Like maybe some one of these bigger orgs that we were hearing about floating around Counter Strike would come in and try and acquire them. But I imagine like, I feel like do you want to wait. That'd be so expensive. No, yeah, I feel like we're not in those wait days where, where people would like. Well, unless it was like someone like Falcons coming in and like being like, "Hey, we want you guys." Here's all the money in the world. Yeah, yeah come on over. 
but you can tell, man, some of these orgs, you wonder what's going to happen. I mean, look at like the state of Fnatic and which players they ended up like getting, you know, out of everyone. I don't think this is, you know, I don't think they believe, you know, Afro is the next big thing, right? Like, I mean, he's also... They're just getting what they can get. Yeah, they're yeah. getting what they can get. And, and that's pretty telling considering who they got what they can get you know which is sort of like sure. wow fanatic isn't this isn't it like this massive organ multiple sports and, and so on and and, and so so forth right shouldn't they have like a bigger budget uh available to them to attract some maybe better players but you know i think it's obvious from the roster that that's not the case i'm not saying the guys are bad and they, they can't win some games but I, this is well, definitely i don't think this is a team you'll see become a contender it's also it's also important. I think it also shows how important it is to like maintain a competitive team when you're when you're coming up to changes like this because it's really hard to attract people nowadays if you're having to sell them on like a rebuilding project. You know, like players want to join the teams that are going to be in position to to win and be competitive pretty much out of the gate. So if you kind of slip out of that path, if you stray away from that too far before you make changes, then you have a harder time bringing in talent that can that can actually escalate you to that to that position and. That's the eternal curse of, of Fnatic, it feels. But they're, they're, but they're struggling still with the remnants, right? Of being yeah. so successful with a team that was team run, right? Like it was essentially like in the beginning when they came together and then the changes they made and stuff like, we you know, Devil Walk had a big, um, you know, say in, in helping them get the change and bring Olaf and Crimson and everything like that. And then the team obviously, uh, you know, disintegrates eventually, which is going to happen to all, all great teams. Um, and then you see now, well, there wasn't, you know, who was the backbone of the team? Who were the decision makers? Who were the people who were, you know, deciding the players? And then you kind of left in a pile of having to rebuild from there. And they've, they've never really recovered from there. Yeah. Like, you know, it, 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 it has been this consistent story. You know, Cloud9 could be that same conversation if they kept just trying to throw together these international type teams or trying to like, you know, plug a North American roster together with a couple of imports. They've completely reinvented themselves now by buying, you know, what at the time was one of the best teams in the world. So... You know, your options are, it's hard. Like, it's hard to build a team from scratch. It's hard to get all the pieces. Um, then getting involved in the tournament if you're not a big organization as well. But for teams like Fnatic and OG, who are, you know, Fnatic is in the Louvre agreement and OG is uh, a blast partner team. Like, for them to be partner teams in these big events, but just kind of be, eh, you know, it's, eh, whatever. That That's where I think the miss is. That's where it's like, if you want to be a partner team in the biggest Counter-Strike leagues in the world or tournaments in the world, then you would hope that there would be a bit more focus on on producing a Counter-Strike team. But at the same time, maybe like we were talking about with ESL and Blast, Counter-Strike not being their number one priority, maybe that's the same with these organizations. Uh, just the way we look at things is framed through the perspective that the only thing that matters is Counter-Strike. Because for us, that's Yeah, it is all that it, matters, right? yep. And on, should we end it on that note? The only thing that matters is Counter-Strike. I like that. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Yeah. All right. Cool. Bang. Peace.